I think technically I should be going to Heather on this, but I am going with Justin just because I didn't technically give you a choice last week, Justin. That's the only reason why is because I didn't give you a choice of what game to play. I just threw yeah, on to fair. you. Yeah. So as far as choices go, Justin, A, B, C, D, or E. I don't think I've done D in a while. Let's go with D. Oh, D. Oh, random news. Um, man, outside of like, I, and I don't want to get into like very topical political news per se, unless it was about the Reagans. I'd totally jump on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. I know it's very popular right now, but I don't know if I want to jump into that. So I'm weirdly going to bring up something movie related at the same time. This is kind of like a movie thing, but it's the only thing I have currently outside of those two other topics. Um, so did you guys know that uh, in the Twilight Zone, the movie, the one that came out in 1983, where, you know, is like the few different segments that were like, redoings of old twilight episodes twilight zone episodes mm-hmm. yeah um when they were filming that the john uh the john landis episode uh, part of it which is the one about the racist that goes back in time uh to learn about being discriminated against and all this other stuff oh um, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 so that episode or that section of the movie i didn't know three people died making it Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, at the end of that little segment, when the guy's running through the jungle, the, the Vietnam jungle with the two kids. Yeah. That guy and those two kids died making that fucking movie. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, how did they die? Uh, a helicopter crashing into them. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely did not know that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, man, it's always crazy when you hear, like, a story about that. Man, I mean, I'm not saying that like it's Like the freak accidents. Humans, but you know what makes yeah, it? Yeah, the freak accidents is crazy. And it turns out it's pretty much all director John Landis's fault, even though he won't admit to that, obviously. Um but yeah, he uh, he wanted the helicopter, like he kept pushing for the guy to fly lower and lower and lower. He kept wanting the explosions to be closer to the people and the helicopter flying over him. He wanted all of it closer. He wanted this and that. He wanted all the shit. And yeah, so it ended up like the explosions from the pyro fucked up the helicopter, killed them. Wow. Man, that's that's awful. That's awful. And it gets even better. So they wanted to, he wanted to film it at night because it was a nighttime scene and he was all about the realism. And instead of doing what they do, like in some movies, they do that thing where they shoot during the day, but they kind of filter it and tint it to look like night. And it just doesn't look as good. So they wanted to do that with it because, you know, helicopter pyrotechnics, people running around in all of it, you know, they'd be safer. And he was like, no, it has to be at night. And, but he wanted kids. He wanted real life kids. He didn't want like, you know, stunt doubles that were just smaller people or anything like that. He didn't want any of that. So they had to be children. Legally speaking, children can't work at night. 
in Hollywood and stuff like that. So um, pretty much those kids were on set illegally because he was paying them under the table and hired them illegally. Um, was breaking the filming laws of when they could film. He was breaking safety laws. Anytime you have explosions on the set, firefighters have to technically be a part of your safety team to help regulate, you know, fire. And he, uh, more or less, that guy would have blown, you know, would have blown the whistle and canceled the set if he knew that children were going to be near the pyrotechnics. And so he would more or less told, you know, got the production assistants and other people to be like, oh, those are kids aren't in the movie. They're just guests on the set. You know, not realizing that, you know, he would then brush him out there and do all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Ended up getting them all killed. Huh. Wow. Man. Anytime I hear a story like that, that's just, that's just horrible. Like hearing about people dying on set or just things like that, that could be avoided. Um, that also kind of reminds me of, not saying that it's the equivalent of humans or anything like that, but I remember when I first found out that Milo and Otis, they just killed like hundreds of dogs and cats. Oh, yeah. That. It was a slaughter fest. I was like, what? what? Yeah. So you know, I didn't know that. You know that scene when Milo and Otis are like going down the river and through the rapids and all that shit? Yeah. Yeah, they fucking just did that yeah. to real animals. Yeah. No, they just would put them in these situations and just film. And they, if, whether they lived or died, mm-hmm. we got the footage we needed. Go to next no. scene. That's why they got like very basic and small animals. Like there's tons of pugs. So they, and, and like honestly, think about it. That is the most generic looking pug ever. Yeah. Orange cat. How many fucking orange cats exist? Yeah. They were just murdering animals. Like don't they yeah, go down geez. don't they go down a waterfall in that river scene? Yeah. 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 No, they sent a dog and cat down a waterfall. They just sent them down the river to fall to their deaths. And I think they shot that a couple of times. Oh my god. Yeah. That's just I knew I didn't like yeah, that movie. When I found out and you and, and like as a child, that was one of my favorite movies. I you know how horrifying it. it was when I found that out. I just it shocked me to my core, and I was it's like, traumatizing. And then like, and then they were like, yeah, but and then you know, and people, and it was, and and I felt dumb to an extent because people would be like, well, Jason, how do you think they put them? Do you really think those animals would survive if they were next to a wild animal like that? Like. Next to a, I'm trying to remember what was the wild animal that one of them was barking at, or was it a bear? Or something? Yeah, it was a bear. And you know, my friend was like, that told me this was like, I mean, how do you think that that cat or dog would have survived up against a bear? Like, how do you think they did that? How do you think they would have done that without killing the animal? How many animals do you think died? just to get that shot of them up close to a bear barking at it like that. And I was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, Yeah, that's awful. I will never again watch that movie. Yeah, you look back on it and you're like, well, of course they murdered, you know, all these animals. But, like, you just don't think that when you're a kid. You legitimately think it's the same two animals the whole damn movie. Yeah. This actually weirdly fits into our topic today. Yes, yeah. I think it was a great segue, <laughs> but yeah, 
that was just and wow. I don't know, and I like I said, that. I'm not equating those kids and what happened with the helicopter, but that just somehow I was instantly reminded of this. And, you know, this is how your fandom can be deconstructed. Well, it's that and Stuff it's like it's that. whenever it's whenever you look at things and you're just like you don't you know really take into account that like back in the day they had less and less rules and they would just do things all the time and murder animals and you know all this stuff you know yeah and you don't think about that yeah and now you think about now where they have to put no animals were harmed in the making of this movie and stuff like that like you think about those things now and it's like you know, I would read those things and go, oh, well, duh. Uh, of course you guys didn't harm the animals. But 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 that's what I'm thinking now. But but now, it, but it's like sometimes you don't really connect those dots and understand that that, that wasn't always the case. <laughs> like, the right. reason why they are putting that is because they used to not give a damn. Like, I guess just sometimes you just don't connect those dots. Until yeah, there had you to be a really reason to have it. to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I wonder how much of a role Milo and Otis had in putting that disclaimer at the end of a fucking movie. Right. Probably yeah. everything. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I bet that might have been the catalyst for why they did it, honestly. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you will look at a movie like Homeward Bound. And the way they would do some of those scenes with some of that stuff is like, there's a reason why you technically never see the dangerous animal and the pet in the same shot. They might be in the same scene, but they cut back and forth. That's yeah. why. Because that dog's not actually right next to like the, the bear. You know. Yeah, Homeward yeah. Bound. That was they'll, a good movie. They'll too. show the dog and then they show the bear. You know, they do that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's utterly. Yeah. I, when I found that out, dude, that fucked me up. Because I was one of the I, I loved Milo and I, Otis as a kid. Loved, loved it. it. Absolutely. I mean, we, my brother and I, I, I have fond memories of us watching that so many times and we, and we memorized the lines. You know, it was that kind of movie. We watched it what had to be thousands of times and knew the lines and everything, you know, so freaking sad. No, I'm right there with you. But yeah, that really is a good segment or segue into this topic. So no more talking. Let's do our intro music. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we will be talking, uh, we'll be doing a topic episode. We're going to be talking about deconstructing fandom. Um, Kind of what that means, at least to us and stuff like that, was like, what, what were things you used to be a fan of? And then you stopped because of one reason or another. Originally, when we first broached this topic, we were being slightly more specific and talking about like finding out problematic things like, 
the Milo and Otis story that we just, you know, everybody just heard out uh, about and stuff like that. But in general, I think that when we started getting fan responses that weren't of, of that kind, I started to like that a little better just because there's any number of reasons why people stop being fans of something. And just because if it's problematic or not problematic, that doesn't mean that one version of it's more valid than the other, you know, not being a fan or questioning your fandom of something is valid no matter what the reason is. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that we ended up getting some more generic response or more in general responses to the topic, because I think it speaks to the reasons why just in general, people stop being fans of stuff. So, um, I guess let's start it off since Justin gave us the depressing ass Milo and Otis story. Um, Heather, what's, what's an example of something for you that like you've more or less deconstructed your fandom with? So, yeah, I, I thought of a couple of different things, but one, one thing that came to mind more directly, it's not with a, it's with a show that I really like, but it's not with the show itself. It's with an aspect of the show. Um, I'm sure many people who've heard this podcast before know I'm a huge fan of Friends. And, um, you know, it was, it's been a go-to show of mine for a long time. And I don't think either of you really watch a lot of Friends, but, <laughs> um, but um, I, so a big thing with Friends is the whole Ross and Rachel story. And even though I'm sure, you know, Jason, you know, you know what that is, even if you haven't like seen oh, yeah. the show, right? It's a huge oh, yeah. thing. And everyone's like, oh, we love Ross and Rachel. They're in game. They're the best. They're the most amazing couple, you know? And so for a long time, I bought into that because I was like, oh, you know, he's loved her forever. And, you know, they came back to each other and it's so sweet and all these things. And the older I got, the more I realized like they should not have been in game. Like they should not have been they should, I don't think they should have ended up together because Ross is a terrible boyfriend. Like throughout that entire show, any relationship that he's in, he is awful. He is the worst boyfriend that you could ever possibly imagine. Like overly jealous for no reason, won't let things go. Very just kind of needy in a way and doesn't trust the girlfriends ever, especially Rachel, you know, and just kind of the the back and forth that he had with her about certain things that he would just never be able to let go. And I just started to be like, man, he's really just not good with Rachel. Like he was, he was a little bit, he put her too much on a pedestal for him to be a good boyfriend to her because she was always this unattainable thing. So he was just always so afraid of losing her. And he did for a long time, you know, and then the very last hour of the show, spoiler alert, they get together, you know, but it just really just thinking back as I got older, I'm like, that's not that's not healthy and that's not good. And like throughout the show, you know, there's character progression on everybody's end, but he never really changed that aspect of himself as far as I can tell. Like he was always that guy, no matter who he was with at the time. He did. He pulled the same kind of stuff with any girlfriend he had. And as much as, you know, he was in love with Rachel and whatever, he just never really changed anything. And, and you know, he would be such a baby about stuff. Like the entire reason that they broke up in the first place was him being jealous of her 
coworker thinking that they had a thing for each other. And so it caused them to fight. She said she wanted to be on a break. And then the very next day he goes and sleeps with somebody else. But then he wants to be mad at her because he's like, no, we were on a break. Like just really random, not healthy stuff that he would do. And everybody wanted to feel bad and like, oh no, you know, she should forgive him and whatever. I don't know. I just feel like he is, he's definitely a good friend. Like in, in the show, he's a good friend to everybody, but anytime he's in a relationship, he just becomes this crazy person. And especially with Rachel, because that was the love of his life for forever. So yeah, I have slowly decided that I do not like that they ended up together because I just think it was a not healthy situation. And there was no evidence really that that was actually ever going to change. I mean, they could say it all they want, but his patterns, even up to the last episode of the show, stayed the exact same. So that's that's one of mine that I had. Well, that's really big of you, Heather, because I know how much of a, a, fr- a Friends fan you are. What, what, what do Friends fans call yeah. themselves? Friendians? <laughs> we call ourselves awesome. No, I don't know. There's their name for us, but I am. I am a big fan of it. So I, I am big enough to admit that that is a flaw in the show. There's a lot of flaws in that show. I'll be honest about it. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's a perfect show. And I guess in general, like with that show, I could actually say like my, how much I just think it was the best show and loved it and everything. Getting older, realizing more of the world and being more cultured in life in general, you realize, no, it's not like it's a good show that I enjoy, but it's got a lot of elements to it that just don't hold up today, you know, but that aspect of it was really the big one for me. I'm like, no, nobody should really want them to be together. So. You got any, do you you got any thoughts on friends, Justin? Um, (laughs) You know how much you love that show. But I mean, but, but I can, definitely understand just some of the sentiments because I just think about other, and there are so many other movies, series like Friends where you have characters and you have things and just, I think that a lot of it, especially like the way women are portrayed, like what they think about, what they say in the show how they're treated versus the men, how the men treat them, different things like that. Man, there are so many things now that you just go back and watch and you're like, this male character would never be considered yeah. an endearing or likable character if this oh, yeah. were, if this were, if something like this were to come out now. Like this would be a villain. This would be the person that you couldn't wait to see him get what's coming to him. Right. It's crazy how that character was so endearing. Like back in the day. Yep. So it's crazy how you'll watch something. You'll be a fan of something and you'll be like, oh, man, you know, I remember this loving this movie. Let me go back and watch it. And then you're watching it. And then like, I mean, what was I watching the other day? Like, I think I was watching like it was Ace Ventura or Shallow How. It was was one of those. It it was one of those. (laughs) Like older, Did you watch both those in the like, same week, Justin? <laughs> you watch yeah, both those movies in the same week, just going through the good ones? 
<laughs> like I'm trying to think of which one exactly it was, but like you and man, maybe it's not even important, but it's just like the the trans jokes, the fat shaming, the yeah, you know, stuff that just used to be so commonplace. Like I believe in one of them. I want to say it was Shallow Hal. Uh, he was sitting there talking and he was like, you know, I'm going to, you know, th- that he was talking to another guy and he was like, that's the girl I like. And then there are all these girl, there are all these women, like, I guess, crossing the street or something like that. I, I forget what they were doing, but it was a bunch of women. And there was this like heavy set woman that it was. So when he was pointing to the woman that he liked, I guess the heavy set woman was in front of the woman he was referring to. And so his friend goes, are you talking about the one that's behind the rhino? And it was, you know, like he just straight up said that, like about the, uh, yeah, the, the, the bigger girl. So like, and that may seem like a little thing, but it's just amazing how commonplace that was and how yeah. okay that stuff, that kind of stuff was. So now when you go back and watch stuff like friends or when you watch like, some of these men and how they treated people, you're just like, oh man, this is uncomfortable. And I'm just sure yeah. you must have had moments like that. Uh, oh yeah. Throughout the show, you know. Oh yeah, 100%. There's, I mean, there's there's a lot of those aspects of it for sure. And, and I totally get what you mean too, especially the whole fat shaming thing. That was such a huge thing in movies, right? Like, and I feel like we talked about that a lot in movie tropes where it's like, if you do have the quote unquote fat character, they're always the comic relief. They never can be the one that's being pursued in the whatever else. And that really feeds into a lot of self-image problems that people have or that they had when they were younger, you know, and it just makes you think, oh, if I do look like that, that means I'm not worthy of this pretty much. And that's the vibe that they give you. And that's the message they're sending with that. And so, yeah, I'm really glad that it's not, I mean, it's still a problem um, in Hollywood, but not nearly as much as it used to be. Yeah. And with that, like, uh, um, like I know exactly what you're talking about, Justin, uh, with the whole shallow hell thing. You know what I mean? Because that movie goes out of its way to more or less be like, hey, if people know you're fat, they can't love you. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, just straight up. They have to be magicked into loving you if you're fat. You know, yep. there's, you know, <laughs> the only person that would love a fat person is an ugly man. You know, that's what they're saying yep. in that. Cause you're they're not even talking about Jack Black. They're talking about the guy that was in love with the Rosemary character was secretly ugly, but you know, he was magicked into looking like a nice man too. You know what I mean? And it's, it's things like yep. that. Yeah. You know, and like, I hate also the idea of the the magic in that show, uh, in that show and stuff like that, because like, it also leaves no room for change. If somebody was an ugly person and then they changed, would they become like, go from being the ugly inside to the, you know, beautiful inside? Would that change? You know what I mean? There's all kinds of weird stuff with the logic. I mean, I know we're breaking down the magic logic of shallow how with this, but (laughs) You know, it's it's still there's so many like the the images it puts forth though, yeah, you know, yeah. are terrible. Yeah, very. 
Very much so. And then, so. and it really goes back. And uh, I, I want to comment on one of the things you said too, that with all that stuff, because it also applies to Ace Ventura, even though you weirdly couldn't remember the differences between Shallow Hal and Ace Ventura enough to know which one you watched. Um, <laughs> like, I can't think of two different movies. It was either Jim Carrey or Jack Black. How do you not know which one you saw on the screen? Um, but I'm assuming it was Shallow How that you watched because you brought up a scene from it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But I remember, but no, I did watch Ace Ventura at some point, And there was something I remember seeing problematic, but it just, oh, I don't know, it escapes it's, me. It's the Ray I, Finkel probably, stuff. It's, no, it's the Ray Finkel stuff at the end of the movie. Oh, 100%. It's the, whenever he realizes yeah. his captain is transgendered, essentially. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. To, to quote Brooklyn. So Nine, both movies had a problem, basically. Yeah. To quote Brooklyn yeah. Nine Nine, it just doesn't get remotely transphobic until the end, and then it's all transphobia. Yeah, but all of it up until that point, it's not transphobic. Yeah, it goes. It's weirdly not problematic on a trans sense for ninety six percent of the movie, and then the last four percent is just one hundred percent transphobia. Like just nothing else, just utter transphobia for just the last part of the movie. Very just true. From every single character. There's not a single character that is not transphobic in that scene. Every I single know, one, man. including Dan yeah. Marino, like everybody. Yeah. I think even that dolphin was being transphobic. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I think he was saying some transphobic shit in dolphin. What was that girl's name? Sean Young. Sean something. The the one who played the transgender boss. Oh, I have no, I don't I don't remember it all. I think it's Sean. I just know the character Sean. was Ray Finkel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But like, yeah, and it's 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 funny how you you get these shows too. 90s, early 2000s, even mid 2000s like towards the the 2010s where they all are weirdly homophobic. Like, yeah. Uh, like friends gets weirdly. Ho- and, and it's funny because they, it's mainly towards like gay men that they get homophobic. Like if it's, yeah, if it's outside of being like doing something like stereotypical with a lesbian, you know, they'll always do something stereotypical with that. But if it was like, you know, something like two hot women or something like that, they'd be, completely okay with them being gay but like if it was something with men and it's like if you were a straight man and somebody goes oh are you gay they'd always be the most offended people ever no yeah i mean and i will say like the the interesting thing is i i was hearing about this on some article i read but the creators were actually originally they were supposed to be making chandler's character a gay character I don't know what changed or why that changed, but he was originally supposed to be a gay character, um, which is why specifically there's a lot of jokes about him being gay or feminine or whatever because of that. I think they sort of that was their way of still putting it in the show. But um, and you're right, though, because there there is a lot of that, especially in the 90s. But there there is a lot of that. And Friends is very guilty of that, too. But it's so weird because you're right. I think it is definitely mostly towards gay men because, I mean, a big storyline on this show is Ross's first wife was a lesbian. 
And that's why they divorced. And it was one of the first television shows to actually air um, a same-sex marriage with with his ex-wife, you know? So there's like, there was some progress in a sense on the show, but at the same time, when it came to the the males on the show, you're right. It was completely the same as every other show in the 90s that you would see. Yeah, they did. They did. And they also did an entire episode of Seinfeld based on that whole concept, too, where, you know, somebody would be like, you know, like they were going to a gay. Uh, Elaine was going to be like a, a bride's person or a, a, a wedding party person in a, in a gay wedding. Uh and of course the wedding was two women and you know, she was going to be on that, but you know, they did all that. They didn't show the wedding, but they had that be a storyline. But then there's an episode where, you know, somebody confuses, I think Jerry for being gay. And he's like, I'm not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with it. But so that became the running joke of the whole episode is that you essentially, you would call something gay, but then just always follow it up. But not that there's anything wrong with it but they're always still offended. You know what I mean? They're still offended. The the idea that one of like, they could be gay, but they're like, but there's nothing wrong with it. Just don't you dare say I'm gay. You know? Yeah. Call somebody else gay. That's fine. But just don't say that about me. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a common thing, but like they do, like you were saying, I, I haven't seen a lot of friends, but I know that's a weirdly big thing though, with like Ross and Chandler and things like that. If somebody calls them gay, they do get super offended. Yeah. You know? Or a whole episode where they're talking about how, like, all of the guys are acting very much like a woman because of different, like, things they're doing, like, you know, knitting or something like that along those lines. And so it's like, why are you being such a woman? And, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But isn't, but then don't they weirdly have, Chandler, isn't Chandler's dad trans in that show? Um... Or am I thinking of another show? Not 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 trans, but a gay man who likes to dress like a woman. So, in oh. a sense, just a. But yeah. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of stuff with that. But yeah, but then they have that storyline, you know. Right. But then, don't people make fun of Chandler for it, like, you know, and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. See, and you know, but it's still considered like abnormal and stuff like that. So, I mean, I understand times change and stuff like that, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Is you know, when these jokes were happening, you're fine with it. Like, yeah, at the you're, time you're they were like, happening. Oh, it's the normal. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, Shallow they, How it came out. I'm not saying it was a good movie, but that's just kind of how movies were back then. Yeah. I mean, and I think later, I mean, you know, Friends still ended in, like, early 2000s in the thick of it all. But they they tried to be better about it towards the end and, like, tie up storylines, you know, with, like, you know, Chandler's dad and things like that. but. Yeah, it's, I mean, you're right. I think it wasn't until mid-20, you know, after 2010, basically, is when it started becoming less of a problem, I would say. And you're saying with TV shows in general, not Friends, because Friends was not on. It with, yeah, with TV shows in general, it was, yes, that they were long gone by then, but yes. Yeah, I mean, a show that me and Heather both like, uh, Psych. You yep. could you could definitely tell in the early seasons, you know, because of their quote unquote bromance, a lot of people confuse them as gay. And, you know, the first few seasons, they're both offended by the idea and brush it off. And then as it goes on, only one of them gets offended with it. You know, 
And then later on, they do make it fine. Like they, you know, they, they stop using that as a joke. They're just like, yeah, I get why people might think it, you know, like they just yeah. kind of, yeah, they're, they don't call it out as like a, a bad thing at that point. Exactly. Which I, I respect that because again, for the time when it came out, that was the status quo. Like that was the standard. And so, you know, why, why would they not have a running joke about something like that? Like every other show. So yeah. And, but I appreciate that as it, you know, went on in its seasons, it stopped doing that. No, that's fair. Uh, Justin, what about you? What's a, what's an example of fandom deconstruction from you? Man, well, this felt like the right time to talk about this because I think I've maybe lightly mentioned this on a few episodes before, but I never really got to discuss it in detail. Um, So I felt like this would be the perfect um, episode to do so. But, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Rocky series of movies. Now, granted, some of them are terrible. Some are definitely better than others. But overall, I am a fan of the Rocky character. I like the whole boxing concept. I like Sylvester Stallone in those movies. I like the Creed movies. I think that the Creed movies, Creed movies are, are great fantastic. with Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I love the Creed movies with Michael B. Jordan. And all of that is, you know, Rocky walked so that those movies could run now. So I, I and so I've got a very and that, a lot of that was my childhood. Also, I used to love watching Rocky Four, where he ended communism by basically just telling them, "Hey, man, if I can change, you can change. Everyone can change." And he basically <laughs> ended communism after a boxing match. Um, I just thought that that was so cool that Rocky, you know, with his American fighting spirit, how he was just able to do that uh, back in the day. If only things were that easy, you know, if only it was just that easy. But but I digress. What I wanted to talk about, though, was the first Rocky movie, because like it's a little rapey. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, and that might be putting it a little lightly, um, <laughs> like. I mean, it damn near happened. It just, <laughs> I mean, we, we were just so, it was so close to it happening. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Justin. Yeah. So like, and it's weird because like, in my opinion, you know, I used to be one of those people that said, you know, the first one is the best one. And that's the one that you got to see. It's, it's the most iconic. It's the, you know, that that's the one that you got to see. So I just remember not too long ago, I was like, you know, let me pop this in. L- let me look at the first Rocky again, man. Let me relive the legendary movie that is Rocky. So oh no, you can't do it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, and I'm enjoying the movie, man. The movie's going along and I'm enjoying it. We're meeting the Italian stallion, you know, and he's punching meat in a meat locker and everything and jogging and people like, man, Oh, and there's this whole question of, you know, you, you lost all these fights, but now this guy, this great boxer wants to challenge you. He just needs an easy fight. He picked you. What are you going to do, Rocky? Are you going to fight him or not? And do you believe in yourself or are you washed up? You know, there's this whole dilemma, man. The movie's going and I'm loving it and everything like that. And he meets this woman, Adrian, 
you know, hey, yo, Adrian, he meets Adrian, right? And this is before they got together, married and all that kind of stuff. And he's asking her on a date. And, you know, the father's like, you know, she's real shy, but, you know, if you can just, you know, get her to open up and stuff like that, you know, uh, but, but she does like you a little bit. So anyway, the movie progresses. He talks to her a little bit and they go on this date. Um, and they wind up going back to his place. And she keeps asking. And I mean, it's just such, and I mean, it was, it was so crazy because I'm sitting here enjoying the movie, attentive. I'm like, all right, Rocky. And then all of a sudden, I just felt so uncomfortable. It was as if I was being violated. Like, that's how the scene just rocks me. But she keeps saying, you know, I want to go home, Rocky. I'm, I just want to leave. Every time she tries to leave, she's grabbed. She's, he gets in front of her or stops her from walking forward. And he's like, no. I don't want you to leave. You know, why don't you just stay a little longer? Come on. What's it going to hurt to stay a little longer? Come on. You know, and he's saying things like, like, I thought we liked each other. You know, I thought we, um, I, I thought you cared about me. I thought we were having a good conversation. It's so, the speech is so manipulative and just like we said, it's, it's, it's kind of rapey, man. And like, there's a part where She's, but she's she's still saying no though. She's saying no. I want to go home. I want to go back to my house. It's late. I want to go home. She tries to go through the door. He gets in front of her, steps in front of her to where she can't um, get through the door. He he shuts the door, locks the door, you know, and now she's locked in this house. And I mean. I promise you, and I mean, some of you people might be going, what? I don't remember this. I don't remember it being like this. Trust me. Just go back and watch that scene. And if that is not uncomfortable to you, I I just don't know what would be. Like, it's very uncomfortable how he locks the door, kind of barricades her in, and then crowds her. He's touching her. He's going, you know, come on. I thought you liked me and stuff like that. And eventually she gives in and, you know, relents and stays and everything like that. But, oh, my God, it was so uncomfortable. And I'm not going to lie to you. The rest of the movie, all I could think about was that scene and just how uncomfortable it was. Like, it was so hard to get through the rest of the movie. And, I mean, that's supposed to be the most inspiring part, you know? The training montage, bum, 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 Like, but all I could think about during those scenes was, why was that scene like that? Like, all I could think was, oh, my gosh, that was so bad. And it's just crazy how back then when you were younger or, and and even in some cases older, because I, it hadn't been too long since I've seen this movie, but I guess it's just a testament to how much more aware we are of these things and how much society has changed and the spotlight that we put on behavior towards women and how men can sometimes manipulate, do these different things. You know, I just feel like I was not, as aware of that stuff then, but I'm much more aware, much more adept now. And now I'm looking at that scene with the new pair of eyes and boy, did it 
hurt my eyes to see that scene. So now yeah. when people talk about Rocky, my mind can't help but just immediately go to that scene and remember how uncomfortable I felt watching it. And now there's got to be this asterisk. Now I have to talk about Rocky with an asterisk. And I never had to do that before. Like now right. I have to say, yeah, it's an iconic movie. It's a legendary movie. You know, uh, Slost Alone. It's got an inspiring story just even about how it was written and the chance he took on making it and the money he had to put into it himself. There's a very inspiring story behind the scenes of the movie, too. But with all of that great stuff, now I have to put this asterisk next to it. But it has the damn near raping of Adrian Saint in it. <laughs> and wow. I just can't look at it the same because it's just, it's hard for me to accept, but I, 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 we have to accept it. But it's just hard for me to like, it's so hard to, to just realize that that was an acceptable scene back in the day. That that yeah, was like, considered okay. How did I miss okay. this before? Yeah. Yeah, like it's hard to it's hard to accept that that was seen as something endearing that he was doing, that that was something charming that he was doing or, oh, look, look at Rocky getting the girl. You know what I mean? But. God, I would never treat a woman that way. And if a woman ever told me about someone treating her that way, I would just be angry. You know, I, it would just make me uncomfortable instantly. So. Yeah, that's going to be my first fan, uh, my first example. Like, fandom totally deconstructed when it comes to the first Rocky movie. <laughs> For me, that scene, going back to it, it makes me like uh, Creed even more because Creed follows a lot of the same story uh, uh, beats that Rocky does. So it's like all yeah. the Rocky with none of the rape. <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah that that that's a that's a good point like oh my gosh Ugh. i get it though justin because i was the same way like you go back and watch it and you're just like wait what the fuck is happening especially when you're so many movies removed from it at that point in the series and you're like you know, you're thinking about like Rocky two, Rocky three, uh, four, and then like her being dead in five. And you're like, that was the beginning of that quote unquote, you know, epic love story. That yeah. was it. That's cringe. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and like, and, and I mean, and maybe, and, and the scene is uncomfortably long. The, that had to have been, a five to seven minute scene of them just going back and forth with her saying, no, I want to go and him refusing to let her out of his, um, out of his apartment or house, townhouse, whatever he was in. It's just, it's long and it's uncomfortable and it is uncomfortable as it was long. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> And it's just even weirder when you really think about it that he wrote the movie. And you're just like, yeah. is that is that how you get chicks, Sly? Oh, no. Yeah. Mm. Like, I, I just, I don't understand what, 
what the point was that he was trying to make with that character choice of like, yep, this is how Rocky gets girls. I'm charming. This is the character I want. Like, that's the character. That is interesting. Hmm. Yeah. As soon as you said Rocky, I knew exactly what you were going to say. Like, I knew exactly what it was going to be. And then also what was weird about it is that the father almost kind of gave the blessing. Like, he was like, you know, if you can just get her out of her shell. Sometimes, you know, and and I mean, yeah, yes, you want somebody. If somebody is shy, yes, and you're trying to connect with them, yes, you want them to open up. But, damn, that doesn't mean get a hammer and crack them open like it's a damn walnut. You know, I I thought that that meant just make them comfortable. (laughs) It right. seemed like that's what he was doing in that scene. I'll just put that out there. Yeah. Like, no, it's it's very weird. Because, like, yeah, I completely forgot about the scene you're talking about with the dad. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, if you just, you know, get her to open up, it'll be fine. Like, was the dad saying, hey, dude, if you rape my daughter, she's going to love you? Or yeah, is that like, at least how Rocky that took that? I'm not saying necessarily that's what the dad meant. But is that how Rocky took it? Like, yeah, that's um problematic. I mean, and I'll be honest, I've only seen a couple of the Rockies and it's been so long. I don't remember a lot of it. But I mean, was his character supposed to be this like, I don't know how to talk to people. And that was his first time trying to talk to somebody kind of thing. Or was he just that he just really thought that that was what he needed to be doing. You know what I mean? That could be the way they wanted Rocky to be, especially in the first movie, you know, because that's very, that's a very big trope um, from Westerns back in the day. If you ever notice as much as we hate the guy, uh, John Wayne, if you look at a John Wayne Western, you know, he's supposed to be the cool guy. You know, he could fucking lasso, he could ride, he could shoot guns, he could kill the bad guys, he could be racist. You know, that's what they wanted from their cowboys. But he was always awkward when talking to a woman. You know, and that would be partially because the whole idea was this guy is such a manly man. He doesn't even know how to relate to a woman. How could how could such a man know anything about womanly shit? (laughs) right and maybe he's like you know the results i get are when i like i I push and i push and i train and that's how i get things done and i don't know if that's what they were going for either way it's a terrible way to relay that that's what he was trying to do and i completely agree with you about that scene i do i do remember enough about the movie to remember that happening but yeah i just i don't know what they were trying to do there but they definitely didn't preface it enough for us to feel like it was warranted (laughs) And you may be onto something with that because one of the big things about the character's personality is that he doesn't give up. You know, he takes a lick and it keeps ticking. You know, that was the thing about him. He could take hella damage, but because of his heart and determination, he's going to come back and he's not going to give up. So I don't know if they were trying to correlate his not giving up like in boxing and his mentality and his training. And then they applied it to this situation with Adrian and was like, okay, and it was he's not going to give up on or this. Something. And yeah. eventually he's going to win the girl. I don't know if that was the thought process, 
But it's weird to me because when they first meet and everything like that, Rocky, there's definitely, they're definitely kind of nervous, but Rocky kind of strikes me as somebody who, when he's nervous, he talks more. There are some people when they're nervous, they don't, they don't shut in. They actually become motor mouths and they, they don't shut too up much and won't shut up. Yeah, exactly. That's what he struck me as. And Adrian was like the opposite. She would just go super introvert and just be real quiet and stuff. So their first interactions, for lack of a better term, were kind of cute. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to talk to her. She's clamming up. And it seems sweet in a way. But then we get to that. But then we get to his house and it becomes something else entirely. And I just don't know what happened there. But but I think you might be on to something. They're trying to match some of those he never gives up traits. But it totally did not come out, come off like that. Well, because in boxing, that's an endearing quality. You know, yeah. you never give up, never surrender, you know, to quote Galaxy Quest, you know, <laughs> Yeah, he just, no matter what, he's the underdog. It might not look like he'll win. It might not look like he'll get the girl. But because he's persistent and he tries and he never gives up, he'll get the, you know, he'll, you know, do the boxing match. I know he loses in the first movie, but, you know, but he'll he'll do good. He did infinitely better than anybody thought. And he'll get the girl. So it's like, well, why couldn't you do like that terrible trope in movies where, you know, you just kind of are weirdly persistent with the girl in a less rapey way, still problematic. Cause you're no, you don't respect their wishes, but you're at least just like, you know, she works at the deli. So I go in every day at lunch to get a sandwich and ask her on a date, you know? Yeah. And then eventually like she an says example, yes. An example I think of with that, this might just be me, but like <laughs> in the movie, 27 dresses, James Marsden's character how he's just super persistent and he's like charming about like, Oh, I saw your planner and I just uh, marked myself in and, you know, just kind of knows where she is so he can go and talk to her. It's a less creepy way to do it, even though it's still problematic, but you don't feel like he's being rapey. You know, you just feel like he's trying to be charming to get her to finally say yes to a date, you know? Yeah. Cause as, as much of a problematic and toxic and terrible trope as that is in movies and TV series. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was still the seventies with Rocky. So that's prime when that trope's starting. So you <laughs> might as well do it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to make it. Hey, I want to leave. You don't have to make it a, an in movie version of the song. It's cold outside. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. That is very fair to say. Yeah. That's on point. Yeah. No, it's, it's one, like, yeah, you can have him be persistent because you could actually do in the movie. You could once again, they do it better in Creed because the Tessa Thompson character shows interest in him, but keeps him at a distance. Yeah, but he just, you know, keeps more or less saying, hey, I want to go on a date with you. I want to go on a date with you. And, you know, like I said, she's not saying I don't have interest with in you or anything like that. She's still very much playing like she has interest in him, but she she's unsure, you know, of his intentions and everything. And so it's once again, it's the, he's persistent, but he's infinitely less creepy. He's infinitely less rapey about it. And it becomes a, a, a nice little story when they do get together. 
You it know. becomes more I'm pursuing you than like I'm creeping on you and being a weirdo. <laughs> it's I'm it's never I'm stalking you and I'm not going right. to let you leave my house because I'm a kidnapper. <laughs> yeah. Why did he? I forgot some parts of that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I forgot some parts of that and the fact that he like locks the door and stuff. I did not remember that part. It's because if you've watched any other Rocky movie since the last time you watched Rocky, you you just automatically assume they had a cute, lovable, adorable fucking fell, falling in love story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one yeah. of those things, like, especially I'm not a huge fan of the Rocky Balboa movie, the fifth one or sixth one, whatever the fuck that one was. The Rocky Balboa. Isn't that the sixth? Holy fuck. Sixth. Yeah, that's the sixth. Sixth. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. But one of the few things I do like about that movie, and it makes it weird that we're talking about the bullshit for the first movie, is how he processes, he's processing the loss of his wife with his son through that movie. And he doesn't know what else to do but go back in the ring and box. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think their love story started a different way. You know? Yeah. Fuck, the end of the movie, Rocky, makes you think their love story started in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Oh, that's so weird. crazy because, like, you know, you, you and you just wish it had started a different way because she's a great wife in the series, supports him. There are times when he's down and she really picks him up, you know, and he... Like, there are times where he takes her for granted and then realizes that he should have, that, that he wasn't paying attention and that's how he lost his way. You know, they're, they have a lot of great moments throughout the series of movies, but it just sucks that that's the... The start of it. That's the start of it now, you know. But yeah. anyway, I digress. I think we've talked enough about... That's fair. Yeah, but yeah. Rapey Rocky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do they have so many letters in common? Anyway. Um, I know. Why is that? <laughs> Why did that go together? Stop it. Stop it. You, you too. Anyway. Um, all right. For me, uh, I'm going to touch on one that I've touched on a few episodes ago, but just in case you didn't listen to that episode, uh, I'm going to talk about my fandom with Harry Potter. Um, I'm not saying I'm completely out of love with it or anything like that or completely not a fan of it anymore or anything like that, but I definitely don't have the same relationship with Harry Potter as being a fan that I used to. I used I used to watch especially the original eight movies. I used to watch those all the time. Like once a week I watched a Harry Potter movie at minimum. Um I've got a couple of Harry Potter tattoos. In fact, and I mean, it's not like they're very hideable. They're both my fucking forearms are Harry Potter tattoos. Um, and all kinds of stuff like that. But, you know, like just looking back on it and stuff like that, like you can really see where a lot of the Harry Potter stuff is, 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 is very problematic with a lot of the things. And I think a lot of the problematic stuff in Harry Potter ties back to J.K. Rowling. You know, let's for we're, we're we're not even getting into some of the stuff that she's more recently been problematic with, but just some of her characterizations of things in the early in the early books and the stuff like that. Like like we said in the Harry Potter episode, 
she has one Asian character in Harry Potter, and it's Cho Chang. It's like she just went to a, hey, like some website that's like, hey, stereotypical Asian name generator. You know, the way she portrays goblins in the Harry Potter, especially in the Harry Potter movies, it gets a lot worse because they actually visualize it. Um, it plays back into some old fantasy tropes with goblins that's in a lot of uh, fantasy novels and, and games and stuff like that for a very long time, which is a big anti-Semitic trope. Um, goblins for a, a long time in fantasy were used as a way to villainize Jewish people. A lot of the I didn't know that a lot of this uh, a lot of the ways that people physically describe goblins is a lot of the ways that they would describe um, Jewish people back in the day, especially during the time of World War II and stuff like that. Um, they also would tie in, and it's a very common thing, um, Romani tropes. Uh, you know the the Romani people, which I'm going to say this just for clarification purposes, in case people don't know. Um, what people would typically call gypsies. So, you know, Romani people um, were given a lot of the same tropes. That's why as a part of the Holocaust, Romani and Jewish people were the top two targeted people because they were stereotyped in a lot of the same ways, especially physical characterizations, um, blood libels. They were both given those stereotypes that were terrible and stuff like that. But you know, like going into this, that's why it's kind of problematic that she just designates goblins are bankers in the Harry Potter universe. Because, like I said, fantasy goblins for a long time, they're 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 greedy for gold, which was a, a Jewish uh, stereotype. Um, the way most of the time they would describe goblin ears would be a lot of the ways that they would describe Jewish people's ears. Same with the the noses. Same with the like the body posture, the the, the behavior. That's why goblins were just coded, you know, villains for Jewish people. And which is somewhat sad to another degree is goblins, as far as mythological creatures go, been around for ages, just ages, you know, uh, before even like, you know, people were even exposed to, uh, to Jewish people. Like, you go back and look at uh, Germanic tribes, you know, what long, long, long time ago. There's the myth of the kobold, which is a goblin. Uh, you look at some of the Gaelic and Old English stuff, you've got red caps, which are a form of goblin. Um, super cool. Red caps are my favorite goblins. Uh, red caps get their name because uh, their, their caps, their hats, uh, were soaked in the blood of the people they killed. And that's why they're red. Um, you know, little, little fucking monster things, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's what, I, that's, that's the goblins I love little fucking murder creatures. Give me those. Um, but yeah, like there's a long history to goblins and unfortunately then goblins got swapped. Like that's how fantasy writers used to, you know, be anti-Semitic. You'd have a goblin villain. You would talk about goblins in those ways. You'd have the goblins invade and get the gold you know what i mean like that's what they did you know they would just use all kinds of jewish stereotypes to code their goblins and then you're like sitting here man it's in the year 2000s 
you know, we need, we need some bankers. Bam, let's get goblins, which was a fantasy trope. But I'm not, I'm not claiming she meant it to be anti-Semitic. I'm claiming that she did not give a fuck enough to know, to look up anything about fantasy writing, to understand why fantasy writers did that shit. That's the issue with it. You know, she didn't care enough, just like she didn't care enough about trying to actually give her one Asian character, the, not the most weirdly stereotypical Asian name ever, you know, um, same with like, she's got one Jewish character in the books and it's like, she went and I, I, I don't, I should have looked it up. I didn't remember last time, but like the last name is just automatically. It's like Feldstein. She just went and was like, yep, let me just look up the most common Jewish names ever. That's my Jewish character. You know, um, one of the only black characters she has Shacklebolt. Why is she sitting there going, Oh, this is one of the only black characters we have in the story. Yep. I'm going to throw slavery imagery into that fucker's name. It is Anthony Goldstein. I just looked it up. There you go. Yep. A very, yeah. The stereotypical name. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, why is your black character Shacklebolt? Right. Like, wow. Because, like I said, I don't think she's being intentionally malicious. I don't think she just cares enough to not be problematic. And that's the thing. To not be problematic, you do have to think about things. It takes effort. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It takes effort to try to be as aware of those things as you possibly can. And we know we've had slip ups that we've talked about just maybe not on the show, you know, in speech, or if we did, we would have to think about it and go, "Uh Oh, maybe I should rephrase that or word that to make sure it's not insensitive or, you know, we, it takes effort. And when you don't give an effort, it shows. So I, I can see what you're talking about with this. Yeah. Um, look at the house elves. And this is one of the things she used to do in the books where she would write something and it'd be like book two and she'd write something and then people would be like, hey, that's terrible. And then in book three or book four, after people reacted, she would write something to fix it to why, like to, you know, change what the criticism would mean. But look at house elves and her justification for house elves and all that other stuff and why ultimately by the end of Harry Potter, she had Hermione and I, you guys might not know this if you've never read the books, but in the books, uh, Hermione uh, creates a, a group called Spew, and it's something against the the treatment of house elves. You know, and it's all about, you know, abolishing the system of house elves. You know, which is just slavery, which is all it is. It's slavery. And so when she introduces house elves in the sec- second book, you know, people are like, hey, that's just straight slavery. It's like the second or, or it's the third or fourth book where she's like, oh, no, house elves love it. They just love being slaves. You know, Dobby was the crazy one that didn't want to be a slave anymore. Justin, you're shaking your head. It's almost like you've you've seen or heard people say things like this. About other things that dealt with slaves. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Wow. I had no clue about this. If you haven't this read is... the books, you don't, because what happens in the movies, they almost abandon it completely after the second movie. Yeah. Because yeah. Dobby's a main character. So you've got Creech, which is the other house elf that like Harry frees. But once again, Harry frees it, but it doesn't know anything else but to do, but to be a slave. So it sticks around anyway. Mm. Man. Wow. <laughs> Sterling's Damn. giving us that look of disappointment. <laughs> Problematic as fuck, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hella. Hella problem. Because she straight up went into every terrible racial justification of slavery ever for fucking elves. Just because she wrote something bad in a yeah. book and went, fuck. People are calling me bad for this. How do I fix it? I'm going to f- try to fix it the same way every racist slave old- holder or every person that loves slavery ever has. I'm going to say the exact same words. She right. didn't even change the words because she's like, everybody, they love slavery. I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know what you mean. They love it. They, they, <laughs> wow. wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't even know what to do if they weren't slaves. They're just, they're just happy being slaves. Yeah. It's fucking bonkers. Wow. I'm starting to understand the sentiment towards her now. <sighs> and that's not even like the recent stuff with the <sighs> transphobic kind of Twitter exactly. rant she went on. Like, I mean, this is, uh, I didn't even know that all this stuff was in it too. Damn. Yeah. If you've never read the books, you don't know how far it goes. You know? And so then it's one of those things with it too. Then doesn't all of a sudden when she comes out as transphobic and starts using her terrible justifications for being transphobic, doesn't it now seem like that should have not have surprised anybody? If you look at how she would justify bullshit in her books and you would see how she's justifying this shit, you're like, no, that's right on brand for JK. You know, and like I so and one of the, one of the things I talked about on the Harry Potter episodes, I've got the dark mark tattooed on one of my forearms, just like a Death Eater would. And now that I think about it and looking back on it and examining it and all this other stuff, I'm like, that's essentially a wizard swastika because they hate quote unquote mud bloods, people that aren't pure. They only want pure blooded people. That you know, like all these things, I'm like, ah, I've got a wizard swastika on my arm, don't I? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I just meant it as like a fun, like, you know, I tend to skew on on the darker side of things. You know, I, you know, that's just me. That's my personality. I'm like essentially still like a 36 year old goth kid in a way, and except I don't listen to goth music. I listen to bubblegum pop all the fucking time. And, but I still, I, I wear black more than anything, you know, like it's, I'm still a weird goth kid at heart. And you know what I mean? So I was just like, oh, it's just like a, a like I meant it to be like a dark evil wizard tattoo. And now that I think about it, I'm like, nope, that's just wizard swastika. I didn't want to go that evil. You know? Just 
just maybe murderous, not genocidal. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit much on the evil yeah. scale. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit much. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I can watch a movie of John Wick killing a bunch of motherfuckers. That's arguably a, a version of evil. You know, that's a lot of murder. But I'm not, I don't want to cheer him on if he's committing a genocide based on people being, you know, whatever race, creed, or whatever else they are. I don't want to watch him yeah. do a genocide. I just want to watch the murder. <laughs> like, that's what I meant for this. Like, that's the amount of evil I meant. Just a couple of murder evil, not genocide evil. <laughs> There's levels you see yeah. to the evil. <laughs> yeah, just a couple yeah, murders. I mean, that, that's way past the genocide stuff. Is uh, That seems way past the level of goth. I mean, yeah. are you even a goth <laughs> anymore if you're genociding? I mean, I just feel like. I think they're called fascists or Nazis <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. I so no so. genocide, no uh, rapey Rocky, but murder's fine. Yeah, murder's that's, fine. That's I'm fine standard. with the murder. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, especially in my fiction. You know what I mean? Right. I'm course, fine yeah, with some yeah. murder in my fiction. You know, right. I'm not necessarily pro-murder in real life. But in my fiction, sure, give me some murder. I'm fine with some murder in my fiction. <laughs> I don't want genocide in my fiction, yeah. which is what my tattoo borderline well, is. It would have been a genocide in my fiction if they just cool. hadn't been stopped. You know? So I'm like, no, this is a wizard swastika. I don't want this tattoo anymore. And I will get it covered up. I'm actually planning and talking to some people about how to cover it up. It's also very hard to cover up because it's very big and it's very black. So in the tattoo world, that makes them very hard to cover. Typically, you have to cover tattoos this big and this dark uh, with just a bunch of black. So I might end up with just a big black bar on my forearm. So, oh. But it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like I'm just like going through. And then also on a way less problematic note with things. When it comes to Harry Potter fandom being tainted and whatnot. Uh, you know, the new movies just suck. And aren't good. You know, so I, I, I don't want to watch those. I don't want to be a fan of those. I don't want to you know, support, you know, them cranking out bad shit. You know, just on makes a, me sad. I really enjoyed the first eight. Yeah. Two, the first eight movies. So that's really sad. When I found out you guys didn't like this, the uh, fantastic beast, I was like, Oh man, do I really want to invest the time and try to catch up? And watch, watch the it? first like, one, Justin, watch the first one. Okay. First one's worth it. The others are not. The first one is about 80% okay. good. Okay. And it's the first 80%. The last 20 is bad. And the problem is, is that, that the story arcs and the developments that they establish in like the last 20% of the first one, that's the story they're carrying on. And that's why they don't really get any better. Mm. Okay. I see. Yeah. But the first section of it's the first, like I said, the first 80, 85%. Of the first Fantastic Beast is actually pretty good. It'll, it, it, it hits the right notes that you want from a Harry Potter movie. 
you know, it's magical. It's mystical. You get to see crazy new shit. Like, it, 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 that's what you want. Yeah, so watch that one. I, I'll still recommend that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm comfortable saying that, I think. But I haven't watched it a little disappointing bit. disappointing that, you know, it didn't, it couldn't finish well. Or would this be restarting well? I don't know what you would call this at this point. I mean, I guess they're prequels. Yeah. So it's just, it's not continuing well. I don't know how you would say it, but yeah. It it's just not continuing those... the past well. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yes, we'll go with Something? that. Maybe. Yeah, I can't think of anything, any better way to say that. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's there's just a lot of, you know, terrible shit in the Harry Potter stuff, especially when you get into the books. Like I said, the movies, you know, as much as everybody wants to bitch and complain about the movies not staying faithful to the books, I will say this. They got rid of some of the bad shit, though. They did get rid of some of the bad shit. So I'll give them that. Uh, let's do another round of these, shall we? I'll st- I'll do another one real quick. I'll, uh, we'll go back to back on me. Um, another big one for me is uh, that I've kind of deconstructed with and stuff like that is uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Used to be a huge, huge Alfred Hitchcock fan. Uh, for a long time, when anybody would ask, like, hey, what's your favorite movie? It's Birds. I could say that without hesitation, Birds. But even then, you can go into North by Northwest, Vertigo, Strangers on a Train, Lady Vanishes, Psycho, Dial in for Murder. You know, did I say North by Northwest? If I didn't, I should have. Um, but yeah, there's so many Alfred Hitchcock movies that I loved. Absolutely loved. And then you find out about the man behind them all. Uh, One of the yeah. worst pieces of shit to ever fucking make a movie. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. You know, you hear the shit he did to Tippy Hedren in The Birds. And you're like, how the fuck was this man just not in jail constantly? Like, yeah, it's bad, man. It was terrible. I read some stuff on it not too long ago, and it was terrible. Yeah, there's the scene in the movie where she gets attacked by birds. And she kept being told it was going to be mechanical birds, mechanical birds, mechanical birds. Day of, she's on her way to set, and they're like, hey, mechanical birds don't work, so we're going to use real birds. And so what they would do is they for five and this was for pretty much, I think, five straight days of shooting. They would have her stand there while they threw birds at her. Just live birds. They would just throw them at her. Yeah. And then when she was lying down, they just kept throwing birds at her. And at one of the scenes, they were like, oh, well, we needed these, we need these birds to keep attacking you. So then they tied the birds to her to incentivize them to peck at her. And then whilst doing all that, they threw more birds at her. Wow. 
And you're like, you know, you might be asking yourself, well, that's just old Hollywood. Yeah, but he also stalked the shit out of her. Like he hired her because she was essentially a nobody at the time and all this other stuff. And he was like, oh, I'm going to make you into the stars and or a star and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. I'm going to pay people to watch you at all times to make sure you are acting like the lady I want you to be. I'm going to punish you like throw birds at you because you don't want to fuck me. I'm going to get you a hotel room right next to mine and I will have the key to your room so I can come in on you whenever I want. Mm. See, and I was going to ask if that was a retaliation for like a rejection, mm-hmm. the whole bird thing. Mm. Wow. Oh, no. And the way he did contracts is she was still obligated to be in more movies of his. That's terrible. Yeah. And if you ever noticed, looking back on it, Alfred Hitchcock very, very rarely worked with big stars that were women. Because he wanted to find lesser known women so he could manipulate them. Wow. And yeah. mold them into the women he wanted them to be. The male characters he never did that with always had big name male stars. Always. But very rarely had like famous women stars. And a lot of that's why. Because he didn't want anybody that had any like he well, he didn't want any woman that had any semblance of power. Or, you know, anything like that. That just because he wanted the, the his starlets essentially to to just feel like they owed him everything. You know, he wanted to always be able to hold over their head. You're a star because of me. You owe me. And all th- that type of shit. Like you find out all the stuff he did to Tippi Hedren and you're like. I mean, he did to a lot of women too. It's just Tippi Hedren's the most prominent story about it. You know. And. You're just like, who's, I, I can't watch any of his shit anymore. You know, I, I, like I said, I loved Alfred Hitchcock. There were just, you know, like I said, I could, you know, spout any of his movies. I could talk about any of it. You know what I mean? Like I could just watch his shit. And now the idea of it just disgusts me. The fact that I have a few fucking movies of his, like in my iTunes fucking bugs me like I hate it you know even then even knowing that really it doesn't benefit him in any way shape or form one of the big problems is if you buy something from something that's problematic or somebody that's problematic you're helping them stay problematic you're rewarding them for being problematic with somebody like him who's been dead for so long it benefits him none but it's still like I'm posthumously rewarding him being a fucking shit face of a person and I just I I, I can't like bring myself to do that anymore like to, to watch any of his stuff and I've had that with a few directors um Woody Allen I loved Woody Allen yep oh I loved Woody Allen I <laughs> not any damn more I won't watch anything uh, of his refuse to yeah once yeah. again I hate that I have a few Woody Allen movies in my collection. 
You know, I fucking hate it. And I will never watch them. Even though now if I watch it, he can't benefit anything from me now. I've already technically bought it. If I watch it now in my own private home, he doesn't benefit from it in any way, shape, or form. But to me, watching that would be rewarding him being a fucking garbage pail. Yeah, it's just a reminder of them being a terrible person. Exactly. And I can't do that. Another Same thing one with uh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Kevin Spacey is a good example with it. Um, I used to, I used to love Roman Polanski. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm the one that more or less forced Justin to watch Rosemary's Baby. It's, yeah. it's not that I forced you <laughs> yeah, to; you, you just did. never had. And I fucking was like, no, we're gonna watch it then. You know, um, there's that. I I weirdly liked that Johnny Depp movie he did, in The Ninth Gate, for not terribly long ago. Um, and all this other stuff, because you kind of want to believe the story that, you know, oh, he wasn't being a predator. You know, she's, she she lied to him about it and she's okay with it and all this other stuff. And you want to believe that the kind of weirdly Hollywood, Hollywood romanticized version of it. Yeah. She might've been underage, but she lied to him and she, she wanted it. And all these years later, she's still 100% okay with it. You know, no problems, no ill will. She's, you know, happy for everything happening. It's just other people blowing it out of proportion. And that's because that's kind of the story we were told for so long. And then then you look into it a little further and you find out she was just 13. You find out that he had uh, used drugs and alcohol on her. And so essentially drugged her into it. And uh, she's not okay with it at all. She feels like she was groomed. She feels like she was taken advantage of. She feels like she was assaulted. Yeah, we were lied to for a very long time about that situation with Roman Polanski. A long time. Because I remember when I first heard about it, and that was the narrative. Oh, she was in on this and, and yeah, and it was very, it very much played like, like it, it wasn't his fault or that she was complicit, things like that. It very much played like that. So yeah, I remember those stories. And then I remember hearing about the truth of it, more about the truth of it. And was like, Oh my God, man. Like, it almost just makes you scared to watch a movie or have a favorite actor or actress or a favorite director. You're just like, you. It, sometimes it just makes you wonder how many terrible people am I supporting? Like, <laughs> it just makes you wonder sometimes, man. Hey, that's very fair, Justin. I mean. And it sucks because a lot of these people are some of the best of the best. That they produce so many things. They've directed so many great movies. They've been a part of so many historic projects. And this is who they are. I mean, it just it just makes you lose damn hope sometimes. Yeah. You know, you have to pick yourself up from this shit. It just sucks. um. Another, just because, I mean, it fits with what I'm talking about. Uh, Director Stanley Kubrick. Monumentally influential director, just like Polanski, just like Woody Allen, just like Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, You hear 
what he, I mean, you hear the stories of how he fucking what's treated, what's her name, uh, Sherry Duvall in The Shining. Uh, he pushed her into having a complete and utter mental break. Oh, like, wow. I didn't know that. His, I did not know that. His, his philosophy with acting and stuff like that was like, hey, how do you get a truly scared reaction out of your actors? You legitimately scare them. So, you know, when he's sitting there and, you know, like Jack's like breaking through the the door and shit like that. And she's sitting in the corner screaming and everything like that. She didn't know that scene was going to happen like that. Wow. And he, he, he constantly did shit like that to her. Um, he would fuck with her sleep. You know, like at night when she's like in her trailer, stuff like that, he would do things to constantly wake her up to constantly keep her tired. So she would be less Mm. mentally aware of stuff. So she could be more caught off guard. Like he fucking tortured that woman. Just for the sake of making a fucking movie. You know? There's a difference if you torture yourself to make a movie. You know, like what Christian Bale did for the beginning part of his career. That man essentially tortured himself to make movies. You know, he'd lose all the weight, gain the weight back, then put on too much weight for this role, do this and that. The motherfucker tortured himself to make movies. That's fine. You're doing it to yourself. Do what the fuck you want. But to torture another human being just for the sake of making a movie, fuck right off. No, no acting performance is worth that. You know, I don't need somebody being psychologically tortured. So I I really think they're scared during that scene. Right. You know, I don't need Tippi Hedren literally being attacked by birds for five straight days. Yeah. For that movie. Yeah. Real quick short story along the same lines. Uh, I don't remember the name of the director, the guy that directed uh, The Exorcist. Kind of fell into the whole lines of things with uh, Stanley Kubrick of how do you get good performances? You physically do the things to your actors and stuff like that. So there's the scene where the mom is fighting, you know, with possessed Linda Blair. And Linda Blair throws the mom. And they were like, well, we need to make this more believable. We need this to be where you think this mom is getting thrown by a demon. So they strapped a harness to her, essentially to pull her down so it would look like she fell harder. Woman had spinal injuries for the rest of her life because they did it once. God. And he was, and then they were like, hey, set up for two, scene, the next scene. And she was like, hey, like that genuinely hurt me. Like, can you not pull as hard? Like something like that. I, that genuinely hurt. And then they were like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. We'll, we'll tell the guy to not do it as hard. You know, we'll, we'll be more gentle this time. They didn't tell the guy. Fucking did it to her again. And had back problems for the rest of her life. Wow. Did that really make that scene? Did that really make the fucking movie better? 
That's infuriating. Wow. Yeah. Would the, would the movie be any less iconic if she didn't fall with as much force? Like, come on, get the fuck out of here. That's why I, I, that's honestly why I've for a very long time started taking exception with the fact that like people really wanting to quote unquote make art with their movies. The whole idea of making art and stuff like that is where you get shit like this, you know? Oh, we want to push the boundaries of this, you know? And all, like, that's, that's where you get the fucking asshats that torture their fucking, their actors and their crew and all these other people. That's the mentality that leads to that. And that's why I'm, I'm so very utterly against it. <laughs> like make movies. That's fine. I love them. Keep making them. I kind of, I would shrivel up and die. If they stop making movies. You don't have to torture people to fucking make your movies. You know? So I hope I fucked up some people in their uh, opinions of some directors. Um, <laughs> Let's keep going in reverse order here. Uh, Justin, what's another thing with you? Um, well, one that definitely stood out to me when, whenever we first posed this question to people, and there was something that immediately came to mind, and I think we even had a fan kind of comment on this, but I used to love the show The Walking Dead, and I just went from having to see that every single week. I mean, you want to talk about, I was, I was such a devoted, and I think a lot of us where we had a friendship circle that was. Must watch TV. Every week. Yeah. Most of us, like every week. I remember, I, I forgot if it came on on a Wednesday or a Thursday, but I just remember every week came, I had to. It came out on Sunday. Oh, it was a Sunday show. Okay, wow. See, that that's how long it's been, guys. <laughs> like, I forgot that that was the day that it came on. But I just remember every Sunday had to be there. It was edge of your seat television. I had to be there. I had to see what was going to happen on The Walking Dead. And Same. I went from this devoted person, like, I have to know what's going to happen to these characters. I have to know what's going to happen to Rick, Carol, all, all of them, you know, and I went from that person to man, just I just completely stopped watching it, never finished it, never went back to it, even heard that the later seasons improved, and that wasn't improved it, and that it got way better. I heard from people, no, you need to get back on it, it gets way it got way better, blah 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 and it lost me so badly, I never went back to it. I did the exact same thing. Yep. And it got me thinking, what happened? You know, like, I really started thinking about the show. And I was like, what happened? Like, how do I explain such a drastic turnaround? And honestly, I don't think I've had that kind of turnaround for any of the series that I've watched. I mean, even a series that I could say wasn't at was of lesser quality than the walking dead. I at least finished it like, cause I'm very much that person where it's like, even if it's dragon, I finished Smallville for Christ's sake. 
if you could finish Smallville, what the <laughs> fuck can't you finish? Exactly right. As bad as that got, I finished it. What happened? Like, how did this lose me so bad? And literally the same exact thing for me. Yeah. And it's like, I can't even really pinpoint a certain, it wasn't like there was this one thing. You know, I can't really point to just one thing that happened where I was like, once that happened, the, the show lost me. So I feel like maybe the answer was that it was just a multitude of things. Just bad episode after bad episode after bad episode. Maybe it was just like around the time they got to Negan. Um, I watched the first two episodes of Negan and I never watched it again. Same. Wow. Okay. See, it had to have been. I got a little bit past the, the, I got to some episodes after that. I may have even finished that season. But it was like, okay, you kill off some of these characters and then they're replaced with characters that are uninteresting, characters that I didn't find compelling. And then the focus of the show sort of shifted to those characters, trying to develop them, because that's kind of what the show would do. You know, it would introduce these characters and it would kind of, de- and then, the, then it would kind of pay attention to them a little bit, developing them. But it wouldn't. But it never felt like it blatantly forgot about the characters they established. And then, you know, they would bring those interactions together and then you you would, you could have some fun on the show with some of these new characters. Around the time you got to Negan, though, it was like it just shifted. And it was like, we're going to forget about these characters over here. We're going to kill off some of the characters that you really like. And then we're going to introduce these characters that are uninteresting. And I think it just led to me... I have never lost interest in a show so fast, but I think yeah. that was it for me. I think that was what it was. I mean, the weird thing about it is because I, I did, I did the exact same thing. Like I watched the first few episodes of season seven. Then I was just like, I don't know that I care anymore. <laughs> like I just don't care anymore. And I don't know if it suffered from this thing where because it's so like every episode is sort of structured almost exactly the same or every season is where it's like the first few seasons were fresh and they were, it was a new concept and it was a new idea. And you were like, we don't know what to expect. This is craziness. What's happening. You know, all these things, but then it just kind of, you, you can't really get out of that cycle of, of what the show can be about beyond that. Like, it's like, okay, there's going to be a crazy crowd of zombies coming at you that we have to kill. Somebody's going to have a surprise death happen. Somebody's going to have to kill somebody that they love before they turn into a zombie. It just became very format. Like they would do them all in different ways, but it was the exact same thing happening. And I think maybe that's why it was like, okay, we know what's going to happen. And then you're going to end up losing all the characters that you actually were invested in. And you'll have all these new characters that you don't even care about anymore. That's what I think happened. Yeah, maybe there's something to that. Formulaic is the word that came to mind as you were saying that. And maybe that was the problem. Like, man, it was so fresh when it started and it was just so interesting. And man, just even like just like artistically, some of the shots that they would get and 
the the makeup and the special effects with the zombies and some of the scenarios that they would do with these zombies where like they'd be on on the roof somewhere then the roof would cave in so now they're on that floor and then they would come after right. somebody you know it felt so interesting and innovative with the way it was doing some of the zombie stuff giving you a lot of familiar stuff but yet doing some of these weird things and then some of the stuff that the characters were doing with um zombies like um oh my god what's the name of the the black chick that that had Michonne? two zombies on leashes. Yes, Michelle. Yes, I yeah. can't believe I forgot her name. Um, but yeah, like like that was interesting when you first meet that character. Like there were just so many things, the back and forth with Rick and Shane and all of that stuff. Like there was a lot of great stuff. But maybe you're right. Maybe as you got deeper into the seasons. Maybe we were kind of repeating ideas, and maybe after a while we had just kind of seen it all, you know. Um, maybe some of it was that. That's that's definitely what it is for me. Because like I said, I, I watched the first two episodes with Negan, and I read every single one of the comic books. So I finished the comic book series. So I had stopped watching The Walking Dead, and still was reading the comic books. I was still a fan of the comics. And the funny thing is, is oh. and the reason why I stopped watching when Negan came is because I knew that characterization of Negan in the show was not the Negan from the books. It was a weird version of that. And I hated it because I loved Negan in the comics. So that's what to me is so crazy that I stopped watching as soon as they brought Negan into the show because Negan is what got me through some of the comics. Like that, I, I, I loved the character of Negan oh. so much in the comics and the comics did suffer a little bit like the, the show did a little bit, but where it, they did such a good job in the comics is they maintained the, the story around Rick Carl and 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 those and Andrea and Michonne like they 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 focused more on the main characters and they would still tell the stories of the other characters you know what I mean you would still get stories of other characters and stuff like that but it had more of a focus it wouldn't you know you would still get stories with other people you'd get interactions with other people but they kept the core for almost the whole comic, I mean, the entire comic book series is based around Rick and Carl. You know, I mean, they, you know what I mean? It's based around that. So they really yeah. stayed with that, you know. And the show, I think, it got too repetitive at a certain point. How many times could we see Rick, you know, be like, no, we can't kill people. Now we're going to kill people. But now we got to stop killing people. But we're going to kill people now. But now it's okay to kill people as long as you've got a good enough reason to kill people. But, you know, these <laughs> other people, you can't kill them even if you got a good reason. But we're going to kill these people. But, oh, my God, these people kill people. But you're like, <laughs> okay. Which is sad because Rick was one of my favorites in the show. But you're right. That is absolutely what they started doing with him. When it became a Rick Tatorship, I want to say at the end <laughs> of season three. Oh, I was fucking down. I was hardcore down. I was like, fuck yeah. 
Rick saying, fuck what you all want. This is how it's going to be. And then you're like, man, that's crazy that Rick's going to that. And that was at the end of the season. And then the next season starts and they're just like, Rick's a farmer now. What was the season when um, it was the uh, the cannibals? Was that season four or five? What was that season? I think it was six. But I was kind of like, I enjoyed that too, where Rick was like, nope, we're done here. You're all dying. Like that was kind of cool, you know, but then it went back to no, no, we have these morals. We have these standards, but then it's like, but then we don't like. (laughs) That's so true. That did happen. And I think it's, it's also sort of, and I'll, I'll kind of steal this from Sterling. I know you've said this before. I think sometimes certain shows, like if this is the format or this is the storyline, you're, you're maxed out at about five seasons. Like I think after the fifth season, they could have been done or even the sixth, like going on so much longer than that. It's like, what other, how much more of this type of story can you really tell without it just becoming like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, they're on season 11 now, which I think is the last is, one. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I think it is. But yeah, 11 seasons of that. They got more seasons than Friends. <laughs> it, it, it got more yeah. than Smallville. Smallville ended at 10. <laughs> it got more seasons than most shows that I love, like, so much. And I'm like, how is this a thing still? And dude, it's so crazy now because they used to do that hardcore mid-season finale like, I think that they're the show that really pushed the idea of the mid-season finale and all this stuff. I think this last season or the last couple of seasons, whatever, they started doing, like, they, they they started breaking up the season into three chunks and stuff like that. And you're like, but why? Yeah, and when you have to why? wait so long in between, you're like, do I want to be this invested anymore? Like, you're taking too long. <laughs> yeah, it just... It got too repetitive for me. I got tired of seeing the same shit over and over again. And to me, the reason why I dipped when Negan came is because it felt like Negan was going to be another version of the governor. And in the comics, yeah, they're not the same character. They appear that way at first because they are monsters. They are terrible people. But the motivations behind them are vastly different. You know, uh, there's a lot of nuance to the characters in the comics to make them drastically different. The governor is utterly sadistic. And I know Negan seems that way, especially like whenever you're introduced to him in the show and you're introduced to him in the comics in the same way, when he just has everybody sitting around, he beats the fuck out of Glenn in front of everybody. And he's laughing and joking while he's doing it, just beating the fuck out of Glenn. And that does come across as sadistic and stuff like that. And what it truly is at the at the end of it, though, it's because he does have some level of imposter syndrome as being the leader of everybody. And to him, it's just utterly survival mechanisms. His whole idea of being the fucking dick and Lucille and all that stuff is because he wasn't that important in real life. And he lost his wife because he couldn't save her. And this was all coping mechanisms with that. And him playing, like like I said, more or less kind of playing the imposter to be the leader. Like, these people respond to strength, so I'm going to show them I'm the most ruthless motherfucker. 
He doesn't even really yeah. believe in his own bullshit. But that's because he, to him, this version of Negan, that one that will beat a motherfucker, the one that'll just, you know, burn people's faces with an iron because they break rules, this and that, that Negan wouldn't have let his wife die. Mm. So that's why he's that's a great story arc. Like, I think that's a great story arc. Yeah. Backstory. Yeah. Very good backstory. Yeah, and you don't get it all at the beginning, which is fantastic storytelling. You get this asshole Negan, and then as you as the comics go, you learn more and more about Negan. You know, that's what's fantastic about him. And the sad thing is, I feel like that's what they started doing in the show, but you don't care by that point because you're already checked out, which is very sad. Oh, they may have. They may have gotten to all that cool shit that I loved about Negan, but it probably happened two seasons after I stopped watching. Yeah. Yeah. I and I wonder if now that you tell that story, I wonder if that has something to do with because I, I swear I stopped watching it around the time Negan came. And I want to say two seasons later, I started kind of hearing this buzz that it was it, there, that there was a return to form and it was back and it was doing well and it was good and all of this kind of stuff. And I just did not give a damn. Like, I just... You're like, that's nice, but I'm already checked out. <laughs> yeah, like, I heard all of that and just did not care. I just did not care at all. And that's so... I mean, is something wrong with me? How how did I finish Smallville? And not this. Dude, you're three for three. Like, none of us finished that <laughs> Walking Dead. So it's not just you. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the thing is, me. I think Smallville, I think you finished it because when it truly got bad, I think you might have been a little bit further in. Or maybe because Smallville had also had more episodes. You know what I mean? So it's in a way you had dedicated yourself to more episodes of Smallville at that point. You're yeah. already sitting there going, man, I'm a hundred and. 60 episodes in already. Right. I'm fucking yeah. finishing this. Yeah. You got to finish it at that point. We're, you and know, then I did all that work and then had to find out about Allison Mack. And it's like. Problematic. Dear yep. God. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah. And it just makes it worse. Cause you're like, Oh, yeah. I went through all that bullshit just to have the character. I love the most be the biggest piece of shit ever. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, God. I love that character. And also, Justin, I think another reason why you stuck it out with Smallville, you know, uh, Walking Dead had some great scenes. It did. It had some great, great scenes in it. But were any of them anywhere, anywhere near as iconic as when Zod po- possessed Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor and he stood there saying Neil before Zod? No, none of them were that fucking iconic. None of them. <laughs> none of them. That was a badass scene. Was it? Yes. Bad. Just and Michael Rosenbaum before might have been the best actor on the show. Oh, Bro, God. Michael Rosenbaum might have been the best yeah. actor on that show. And that's why, dude, I, his Lex, oh. you know, as repetitive as some of that shit was, his relationship with Clark, with Clark that is he evil, is he not bullshit, they did for so fucking long. Repetitive as fuck. That relationship he had with his father, repetitive as fuck. 
it terrible with some of that stuff, but I'll be damned if Michael Rosenbaum isn't to me the best person to ever play Lex Luthor in a fucking anything. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get yeah. it nearly as far as you guys did on that show. I think I stopped around season four, but he was great. He was always really great as Lex for sure. Yeah. And the stuff with him and Lionel Luther, man, just compelling stuff because the acting, a lot of it, the acting was so good. Even if the lines didn't serve them well. Oh, the those two, just those two it. hands down the best actors on that show. Yeah, hands they down. were great together, though. Their and, scenes, my goodness, were so good. And I think maybe that's why it still worked when when Michael Rosenbaum left, because John Glover was still there. Yeah. And his Lionel was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> God, it was fantastic. You know, so and I think that's that's why it's just those there's those those few through points that just kind of made it worth watching. You know, yeah, the last like three seasons are some of the worst television you could ever watch. (laughs) Still got through it, though. I yeah. More than what I can say for the Walking Dead, man. You've clearly never seen all of Riverdale. Oh, oh goodness! I, y'all, I just I abandoned y'all that show so quickly. Disappointing that was. I abandoned that show so fucking quickly. Here's here's my thing with Riverdale. It is the most absurd show I have ever seen in my life. But it's such a train wreck that I'm like, I need to see what other crazy, ridiculous things they're doing in this show. So I watch it for the fact that I know I'm going to laugh at how absolutely dumb it is. And so it's it's like I I hate every minute of the show now, but I'm like, what other stupid thing are you going to put in here and try and pull it off as if it's like a real thing? It's so insane. It's like I can't it's like the train wreck that I cannot look away from. It's insane. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I feel the first season was so good, though. That's why I'm so sad about it. It was such a great first season. And I kind of feel bad, Heather, because I know you started watching Riverdale because I recommended it. Because yeah. that first season is utterly fantastic. It really is. The problem is, is the second season they went, hey, you remember that show Riverdale that you know and loved that you watched the first season of? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, this ain't that fucking show anymore. At the beginning of the second <laughs> season, they start the second season by going, Everything you know and loved is no longer a thing anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is exactly what they say. They're like, everything is completely different in Riverdale now. And then they also add like double the amount of episodes. So double the amount of like, what is this garbage? You know, and and that's why the first season worked. The first season's like 10 or 11 or maybe 13 episodes. So it's got very little filler. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very streamlined. And I'm like, Fuck yeah. It's this dark, twisted, angsty, murderous Archie comics. And I'm yeah. like, fuck yeah, sign me up for this. And then you're just like, oh no. This is <laughs> not anything anybody should ever fucking watch. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I even will say that I didn't hate the second season, but man. 
you're going to tell me that a 17-year-old girl runs a, like, a speakeasy in Pop's shop? Like, how? And what? Like, everything, you know, and Archie owns a gym. Like, he just owns a gym. And I'm like, you guys are teenagers. What is your life? Like, I don't understand anything happening. And by night, he's a vigilante, you know, and he just goes around because he's pissed off at people who do bad things. So he goes around and he tries to justify it and beat him up. And I'm like, what is this show? I don't understand anything anymore. The only the only episode more recently that was good was the tribute episode to Luke Perry because Luke Perry plays Archie's dad in the show. That was the only good episode because it was basically a tribute to Luke Perry otherwise I'm like everything else surrounding this whole show and season is nuts. Like, but I'm seriously just like, I can't not watch this because I've never seen something so absurd in my life. It's crazy. Did something happen between the first and second season? Like did did something happen? Like, like did they change a bunch of writers? Did somebody get fired and somebody got re and hired or, like, did something happen? Or is this just a, like a Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84 situation? <laughs> you know, you know like, it's just same people, but we just went a completely different direction and failed. You know, I mean, and I feel what, like... Did something happen? Well, I feel like I talked with... I, I think I asked Sterling this question before, and I think you explained to me that whoever made the show doesn't know how to, like, actually write a full show. Okay. Right. So the guy that writes Riverdale or the, the showrunner, the the creator, quote unquote, of Riverdale is also the same guy that created Sabrina for Netflix. And he's also the same guy that wrote the chilling adventures of Sabrina for the Archie dark label, which is a super dark. I don't want to say serious, but like a super dark take on Sabrina, you know, where they're like, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you're like, oh, that's cute, whatever. And like in this version of the comic, you know, it's just like the the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. They are evil witches that worship the devil. You know, they're they murder people. They, you know, she's signing her soul over to the devil. Oh, it's it's, it's it's crazy, Jasper. Dark as fuck. Oh, wow. And the yeah. comic's beautiful too, dude. It's painted. Like the issues are painted. So Ooh. it's like kind of got a very streaky, slightly blurry look to things. And so like it'll have like a skull with melting faces and stuff like that. Super, super awesome shit. And he 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 wrote that. Okay. The guy this guy's problem is he is one of the best starters of a story. Like he started Riverdale. Fantastic. That first season of Sabrina on Netflix is utterly fucking great mm. this comic book series of of sabrina was great his problem is is he can't maintain and he can't finish okay I totally see. tracks because the exact same thing with sabrina after the first season you're like mm, what is this <laughs> yeah i stopped watching sabrina too and i think when we did our like our when we did the quote-unquote where we played the game I put it as one of my top three favorite TV shows of all time, just based on the first season of it. Cause I was, I was right. that into it and I stopped watching it because it goes to shit. 
He can't maintain anything. It's insane how different it is. Yeah. And like the, the sad thing is, is I'm, I'm all for some crazy, crazy Archie shit, you know? Um, I've talked about it on here before, I believe, but like there's a, there's two different story arcs of Archie versus the predator where Hmm. Archie takes on the fucking predator. There are two different miniseries of that. They're fucking great. There is an Archie versus Sharknado. Archie in the comics fights the fucking Sharknado. Great. <laughs> wow. Fantastic comic. There's a there's a fucking Archie versus the Punisher comic series. Like Frank Castle the Punisher. Fantastic. Yeah, I bet that's tight too. I bet it's tight. There's a you know, there's a Ninja Turtles meets Archie. There's all kinds of bullshit Archie out there that I love. But like, like I said, this guy, he just, he ends up writing in the most melodramatic, unrealistic way ever, you know, and it just, it makes no sense at one point, at one point in the, uh, in the comics, uh, or I'm sorry, at one point in the, in the Archie in Riverdale, um, Archie is accused of murder. I believe he's a, he's accused of some crime. I don't remember what crime he's accused of a crime and he didn't do it. And there's like proof he didn't do it, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to plead guilty and go to jail just to save my family from having a trial. So I'm just going to go to jail because that's better. You're talking about in the show or was that yeah, in, the, in show. the actual comic? Yeah. In the show, I was like, yep, that definitely happened for no reason. What? <laughs> Zero reason for that to happen. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> right. There's an okay. There's an Archie versus or there's an Archie meets Glee comic book out there. wow okay there's a there's an archie gets political comic where barack obama and sarah palin make a a a trip to riverdale that's amazing (laughs) yeah no yeah same with both those shows like i just i i started watching them i thought they were utterly fantastic so like just gave the fuck up on them just nope Um, Heather, what's, what's one for you? What's another one for you? Cause that wasn't it, right? You were doing that based on his walking dead, right? Oh yeah. Just okay. talking about like okay. terrible shows. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so my next one that I'm going to bring up is, um, it's more of a collective thing. Um, I'm going to get probably some flack for this, but old school Disney movies. Um, because just more so the portrayal of how they do like love stories or the, you know, there always has to be a princess and there always has to be like the guy that has to rescue her and all of that. And initially, you know, when I was younger, of course, like I loved it and I was like, Oh great. You know, and 
you just don't realize how actually ingrained that can get in your own brain about like your expectations of like, you know, love or what you should look for or what your fairy tale life is. You know, like it can really kind of get in your head, even if it's subconsciously about, you know, just what you what you think that your your love story is going to look like or whatever. And it's just they're not relatable. Like the old school Disney movies are just not relatable, you know, and the older I've gotten, the more I have just noticed that. I mean, it always has to be the prince and he saves the the princess and she always has to be a princess like and and I will give credit, of course, because they have rectified that big time since then. You know, like newer Disney is phenomenal. I mean, how many times have we talked about how much we love Encanto? Like, you know what I mean? Or any of these newer ones or Moana or just anything where it's newer, where it's like, you know what? I'm still an awesome person that can do awesome things regardless of my love story, regardless of if I'm with somebody else. You know what I mean? And regardless of if I'm royalty or not. And that's way more relatable now. So I guess I would just say in general, like, you know, the the Cinderella's and the Sleeping Beauties and the, um, you know, all of those that in Snow White and all these where it's like, this is not realistic. And when you're a little girl, especially, you're just like, I want to be a princess and have a handsome prince to come and save me from all of my troubles and live a perfect life. And it's just not a thing. Like, it's just not. And so I just, yeah, it's something where you're just like, oh, it's a cute story. And, you know, you just want to have like the happy ending for a Disney movie, which is fair. But when you're older, you you just you don't relate to that. That is not real life. And you just realize that more and more the older you get. So, again, credit huge big time to Disney for rectifying that. But I mean, how many stories up until what, 2010, probably, was it just all the same type of thing? So yeah, I, I think my my big one is just going to be old school Disney, I guess maybe Disney princess movies is what I should say, is my deconstructing what, you know, used to love them because you're like, oh, I want to be like that. And then you realize this is also setting a terrible standard for what women should want and, you know, aspire to. So that's my next one. I kind of wish this video was going up where you could actually see my reaction to all that. I went through a little mini roller coaster when you said that. And we ended up going like even further down it with it. Cause when you were like old school (laughs) Disney movies, I was like, what, what are you talking about? And then literally right after that, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Because I instantly jumped to how terribly racist old Disney movies were and stuff like that. And so that's where I went with it. And then you were like, well, the terrible princess trope and, you know, the how, you know, that's a bad, you know, example for, you know, young girls, especially in growing up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's valid, too. So I was just like, I I was like, I had all of it there because I was like, what? Oh, that's right. I didn't even even address the racism part of it. You're right. Yeah, that, too. Yeah. But like in five seconds, I was like, what the fuck? To, no, that track's <laughs> super racist. And then you, then I'm like, oh, yeah. And super misogynistic as they went on too. damn. Yeah. Yeah. Just all of that stuff. The love at first sight and just all of that kind of don't even know this person. But look, um, 
let me kiss you without love. consent because you're asleep and you can't consent. Like it's stuff like that. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just all, and you get the idea oh, look, of what I'm they're awake doing. And now we're in love for right. No like oh, yeah, I've never I, met I get you, a lot of that stuff. but okay, you know, some of that stuff is valid. And of course, you know, we we've talked about some of the racist stuff. You know, Peter Pan, what makes the red man red, and all of that kind of stuff. So I mean, we've. We've covered some, uh, quite a bit of that stuff, too, but, like, yeah, man, it's very hard to um, look at some of those movies and watch them and just be, watch them with the same kind of nostalgia and amazement and stuff like that. You know, sometimes you can watch something old and you can, and even though it's old, it may not have aged well, but you can still appreciate things about it. Like you can go, man, look at this animation style or look how they did this or look how they captured this. What a sweet moment. And it just sucks that a lot of these Disney movies you can't do that with because of the racist, misogynistic things. I think me and Sterling had a conversation on one of them one time. And I said that I was jealous of a lot of the kids of today because they're growing up with a better Disney. And that's true. It's because yeah, of 100%. the very thing that you're talking about. Though I'm low-key kind of excited for this Chip and Dale movie. I think it has a chance to actually be like a good satire. And like if they make fun of themselves and stuff like that, it could be good. Like I'm worried, but I'm excited. I don't know. But, but yeah, old Disney, very problematic. Well, and it's just weird with it, too, because they weirdly have multiple movies that a woman had to be awakened from a spell by true love's kiss, having never really met the other person. Yep. They have more than one of those. Like, it's it's not even just one. There is multiple times that happened. You know, and it's it once again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Shallow How that like those movies kind of pause it in there that if you're, you know, if you're just like a beautiful young woman, love will just happen to you. Yeah. You know, there's another person equally attractive. So obviously we're in love. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even look at the little mermaid, you know, Oh, this guy doesn't need to know anything about you. As long as you're beautiful, he will love you. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's not good. It's not. To say the least. And that's what I'm saying too. Like Sleeping Beauty, it's like they if I'm not mistaken, they never met before, right? It was just like, oh, a handsome prince. There's huh? Yeah, no, no, they never met. Oh, they okay. I thought you were correcting me. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, and it was just like, oh, there's this princess in a tower who's been asleep forever, and you're the only one who can wake her up. Like, we've never met. How how is this true love's kiss? <laughs> and uh, is she cool with this? Because she's asleep. Like, she don't know me. Like well, It was the same so with Snow weird. White, though. Yeah. Snow White and the thing. prince never met either. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing. And you're just like, you know, in theory, when you're younger, you feel like, oh, that's just so sweet. Because that means they're really in love. Because that kiss woke her up. And then now you're thinking about it. And you're like, there's a lot of issues around that. That is not okay. But yeah, no, it fucks you up with the whole idea of what love is. You yep. know, it, it posits in your head as a young kid 
that you can be in love with somebody and know nothing about them. Yeah. I mean, and even it even poses sometimes the thing of if you are pure of heart and you're the best person in the world, you're going to have this perfect life with the perfect person. That doesn't always happen either. Sometimes you're an amazing person and you end up alone. Like that's just kind of what life is. You know what I mean? And even with, um, honestly, even with like the beauty and the beast story, I know Justin, you love that movie, but I think we've talked about this before too. Like the beast and bell, like what is that relationship? Like, Hey, I'm just going to keep you hostage because of your dad being here. And, um, you know, sorry about it, but then they just, you know, she's she's held hostage there, but then they just end up falling in love. And it's just a very weird love story. It's Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. Yeah, it's it's problematic when you look back on it now. Justin, right. I hate to break it to you. It's problematic. Then, too, you were just a child. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you just don't know it's problematic, you know? Well, but the thing is, is like, not a, not even all that. He keeps her as a hostage, but then on top of that, obvious anger issues like it's like the rocky of disney movies yeah but then why (laughs) does she fall why does she fall in love with him because he's got a lot of books yeah so you must be smart or something i don't even know what it was well but the thing is is like he's not nice he's never nice just because at one point he asks her how the soup is or some shit you know, like that's all of a sudden it's nice. You know, oh, we had a snowball fight. He doesn't have anger issues anymore. <laughs> oh, come on, that was cute. Like, damn. And I I oh. do understand oh. the aspect of, oh. oh, I get to see a different side of him and whatever, but you're right. Like systematically the the way the story goes, it doesn't really work that way, but so tell as old as time. <laughs> what were See, you going to say, Sterling? That's another weird thing to tell your children. A tale as old as time. Beauty and the Beast. You guys are ugly. <laughs> so true. But even an ugly guy can get a girl because it's a tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. What is that supposed to be the equivalent of like, girls love the bad boy? Is that supposed to be the equivalent of that? Like... Guys like the the men with anger issues. So make sure you have yourself some anger issues, men. And some of the lyrics to that Beauty of the Beast song, like there's a part where Mrs. Potts is singing. Like I I remember it randomly came up on a YouTube video. So I was, so, you know, sometimes you just click on, let me watch this Beauty and the Beast scene. That was a cool scene. I remember it. And there's a part where Mrs. Potts is singing and she's like barely even friends. Then somebody bends unexpectedly. <laughs> and I was like, that. I don't even remember that. That's. <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, no. Pausing, my YouTube video going, wait a second. Did that. Did I hear that right? And I re and I listened to it again. And I was like, uh, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds like porn. That doesn't sound like. Beauty of the Beast. <laughs> yeah, I got to find these lyrics now. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of love it now. They were barely any friends, and then they fucked. Now they're good. You know, and I think she was referring to when he, you know, he bends and then extends his hand as she takes it so they can go to the dance, to dance under the chandelier or whatever. 
But the way that the lyrics go, that just well, sounded. See, like I actually, porn. I actually took it as like bending as far as like compromising because they were both so stubborn. Yeah, you know, then they bend. The, you know, like that's how I would take it. Or they <laughs> fucked. No, you're right. It, it is a say that says yeah. Uh, true as can be, barely even friends. Then somebody bends unexpectedly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were sitting there, they're barely friends, and then she was like, Hey, beast, and he's like, What? And she's like, Fuck me now from behind. And he's like, Fuck yeah. We's good now. <laughs> yeah, that unexpected band, oh, wow. man. You gotta watch that. <laughs> uh-huh. In the library. What if we just done you know what Disney happened movies? in the library? You know, Belle was sitting there, she's reading like 1400s version of Fifty Shades of Grey. She's starting to feel it, had a couple of glasses of wine, they in France. You know, she'd be drinking a little bit of wine. She looked over at Beast and goes, eh. That could fuck worse. Is that something that they do now, now that they're all married and stuff in the castle? Is that just what happens now? Is that the code for it's time for a quickie, just somebody bends unexpectedly? Like, I just imagine. Ooh, you know? Are you positing that she also might peg him? I'm even more down for this now. Wow, what have we just done to Disney movies? Honestly, I know what have we done. We I think you turned. I think you turned it around. I, go in. I think I, I'm very I pro this it. now. <laughs> I was kind of on the you know on the outs with Beauty and the Beast. I am fully in now. <laughs> well, Belle strikes me as someone who might. We're not going to do this, Sterling. I'm not. You're, you're not going to take me down this hole. I'm not going down this hole. I'm not bending unexpectedly for you. Do you think her pegging strap-on is called the Beast? Oh God! He's like, hey, hey, Belle, give me a good beasting. Oh my! That would have to be the name of it. Oh yeah. Or if they were really morbid and fucked up, they could call it the Gaston. Oh, that would just be mean. Oh, I'm down for either one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, you, you guys turned me around. I'm 100% pro Beauty and the Beast now. Yeah, we love, we love those movies now. We love old school <laughs> Disney now. It's great. All of it. Just Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not pro everything else. Just Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, because they'd be fucking in that movie. Now I get it. <laughs> I was confused as to why they, you know, turned, you know, why the relationship turned around. Now I know they was fucking between scenes. Say, maybe that's just a lesson everybody could learn about their relationship. Somebody needs to bend unexpectedly. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it fixes stuff. Yep. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, oh, God. With all that, though, uh, but no, it, it, it is. It's all weirdly problematic with a lot of that stuff. And even when they weirdly stopped being as racist later, they became differently racist. You know, like in Pocahontas, you know, where they're like, hey, we're going to have like our first non-white Disney princess. And we are going to make 100% sure that it's a white savior movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, when you learn the real story of Pocahontas and John Smith, it makes that movie so fucked up. 
when you're like, oh, she was a child then. And that yep. she didn't actually, you know, fall in love with John Smith because he was an adult. Um, and then you find out like then there's like Pocahontas 2. I don't know if you guys ever watched Pocahontas 2. It was one of the straight to VHS ones where they're like, oh, Pocahontas actually marries this other English guy. And they go and he takes her to London and shows her all the wonders of the world and all that stuff. And it's just a magical time. Like it's a, like a fish out of water story, but it's Pocahontas. So she overcomes everything and it's great. Which is a weird bastardization of what really happened to young little Pocahontas, who was essentially kidnapped and married off to another Englishman who took her there and then uh, more or less paraded her around as the exotic Indian princess as like a type of show person. And then she died of smallpox because, you know, that was something that she had no immunity to that they had built up over there. And uh, yeah, so she died a horrible, painful death. You gotta love that Disney. Yeah, it's a far cry from the Disney story. <laughs> you know, just a couple of two, three differences. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a few tears. Just, just a, a few tears. Just a little just bit of tears. dramatization. <laughs> and then a, a Disney movie I like, or that I love, that we've done uh, on this show before but then it was pointed out to me that it's slightly problematic or very problematic depending on how you look at it with um princess and the frog first black princess let's make her a frog for most of the movie yeah uh, i didn't realize that yeah hmm. it's got to be weird for you know young black girls to go oh man this is the first time disney princess is one of us and she's a frog for 95 percent of the movie yeah. Damn. Didn't realize that. Yeah. Kind of fucks you up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. It it, it we all love that movie. <laughs> I know. Especially Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, and that's the problem too, and that's why things like uh diversity and representation and all that type of stuff. That's why it really is important because I watched something like that. I don't even notice it what at all at all because that's not me being represented. But you know, if that was the first time, you know, a white male was the center of a Disney movie and they made him a, a you know, a rabbit, the whole movie, I might notice that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what's unfortunate. That like that's pointed out to me, and I'm like, oh shit. Uh, how do I feel about this now? Very conflicted. Now, don't get me wrong. I still like a lot of aspects about that movie. I still think it is a very good movie. Um, because I don't think that's anywhere near as bad as some of the shit we've mentioned earlier with like Harry Potter. Still very yeah. problematic, but I think it's one of those, you know, easier to learn your lesson and, 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 and grow from problematic. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a misstep problematic. You know, they were trying yeah. to be better. They were trying to do, you know, essentially what we would all consider a good thing. They were trying to do that, but they failed at it. 
And I would say they've learned their lesson since then. When you look at something like a Moana or an Encanto or something like that, or even like a turning red, um, they've learned their lesson since then, you know, which is good, you know. So that's, you know, at least the positive side of that, that they were trying to do the right thing and they or a better thing. They failed at it. And since then have, you know, kept going forward, like learning and growing and all that stuff. So there's that positive side to it, at least. Um, I do want to just address a couple more things super quick. I do want to apologize, actually, for a fandom or a fandom critique I gave a lot of episodes ago on one of our episodes. Uh, when we did our Game of Thrones episode, and I talked about how people were overreacting to the last season. And I still slightly agree with that. I, I don't think that last season is as bad as people make it sound. But... I want to be a little bit more fair to the people that didn't like it, just for the sheer fact that up until the last season, I had rewatched every season of Game of Thrones several times. Several. I've seen, like, season six, I watched a lot. I watched season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'd watched all of those a minimum of four times, most of them even more than that. I watched, I rewatched it constantly. I have never watched Game of Thrones again since that season eight ended. And I haven't even rewatched season eight once. So essentially when Game of Thrones ended, I have watched nothing Game of Thrones since then. Not a single fucking thing. And I'm like, maybe there is some validity to what people were saying with it. Maybe even though I don't think it was that bad. Uh, subconsciously, maybe I do. Because I haven't fucking watched it. I haven't even tried to, haven't thought about it, nothing. I just haven't ever gone back to Game of Thrones. There is a new show, of like a Game of Thrones spinoff, coming out this August. July or August, something like that. The House of the Dragon. It's had a trailer released. Trailer came out like a couple of weeks ago, I think. I haven't even watched it. I haven't even watched the trailer. I know it exists. I know it's sitting out there waiting for me to watch it. I haven't watched it. Because I just, I'm, I just don't even care about Game of Thrones anymore. And so I'm like, you know, maybe I was a little too harsh on people that talked about how it ruined the show or anything like that. Because while I don't agree with them, mentally, I don't agree with them. I guess physically I do because I just I haven't watched it again. Yeah. So um, I binged it. Like I want to say it was mid or late last year and going through all the episodes again leading up to the last season is still very enjoyable, you know, and you relive the scenes and stuff like that. It was still very enjoyable, but yeah, when you binge it, you really see the difference in how the last season was paced, how quickly things sort of happened and 
just the development that it kind of needed. Like, watching it that second time all the way through just made you realize how many big events happened in just a few episodes. Like, you had the whole thing with the Night King, the the whole thing that had to happen with Cersei, and then the whole thing with... um with um oh my gosh i'm forgetting her danny yeah with danny all of that had to happen in a season like all of that had to happen in six in episodes season. in six episodes because yeah. it wasn't even a full six season episodes. It was six episodes yeah and it wasn't even a full season it was six episodes uh, that is a lot of big stuff man and just the way that the show was going before that, it would never tackle all of those big events in just a few episodes like that. You know, those big things needed time to breathe and they just weren't allowed that because we had to kind of get through it, you know? And and you just, you really feel, you really get a sense of that when you binge it, well, I think. And then with on, on top of that too, one of the, the great things about, Game of Thrones with some of the unknown elements. What does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? And then when you get to the last season, you find out most of it means fucking nothing because they don't even address it. They just abandon it. And so when you're doing yeah. the watch through, or because I, you know, would look back and just think of things, but it's like, well, they never, like, they never touch back on this. They never touch back on that. And so to me, that's why some, like, I guess I have had no desire to go back and watch some of the older stuff and stuff like that because I'm like, a lot of the shit means nothing in the end. Yeah, that is very true. And then it's just weird to watch, go back and, yeah, and then you notice that you notice more stuff, too, about that last season, like you said, where they don't answer any questions or characters saying, I never want to be the king, and then suddenly, like, yeah, I'll be the king. You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's just that, that, you know, you just, there are things like that now, and... Well, and then now, when, it, it is kind of glaring and when, then when you go back and rewatch because now you remember everything. Yeah, like you're watching it so quickly, you're retaining all that information. I think waiting for episodes and stuff like we used to when it was first on HBO probably helped it because you're just not thinking as much about things, you know. Uh, some that, but that between time that you're waiting for another season to come out, that's a lot of time to forget. That's a lot of time to not, and you build so much excitement for it whenever it was coming out that that you just you're not connecting all those dots sometimes, and, and or it's overshadowed by your excitement for release. You know what I mean? So, I think some of it was the combination of that as well. No, that, that's absolutely fair with it, you know. And it's just, yeah, I've I've never gone back. So I'm like, all right, I was maybe a little little unfair to, to Game of Th- uh, Thrones fans for being disappointed in it. So I just yeah. wanted to say that, that, you know, looking back on it, I might as well be in their camp because they're like, I'm never watching it again. And I'm like, oh, I'll watch it again. Then I never did. <laughs> just, yeah. And I mean, you like you said, it must mean something if subconsciously you haven't even had the desire to go back and revisit even just the stuff that you liked, 
if you had no desire to go back and revisit any of it, yeah, that's saying something. You're not one to shy away from revisiting something that you like, you know. Since the last How many time- times have you seen The Boys over again? I've seen both seasons of The Boys twice. Damn. Um, yeah, and it's a fairly new show. I've watched them. But, like, think about this. Since Game of Thrones ended, I have watched The Wire twice and The Sopranos all the way through once. Damn. I haven't watched a single episode of Game of Thrones, though. <laughs> But I've watched all those through. I've watched, I've watched all of Smallville since Game of Thrones ended. Wow. wow. Um, I have watched. You know, you know. There's other shows that are like my background shows. Yeah, I've watched those a few times. But yeah, like of some of the bigger shows that you know, you kind of just binge watch like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've watched. I've watched both Band of Brothers. You know, like the Band of Brothers and the Band of Brothers Pacific. I've watched both of those all the way through since the last time I watched Game of Thrones. And none of these are first-time watches. So, like, I'm first-time watching this. I've gone back, because I'm like, you know what? I really want to watch... I mean, I always want to watch The Wire. So me going, oh, my God, I want to watch The Wire is nothing new. That could just be a fucking Tuesday if I want to watch The Wire. But, like, (laughs) as much as I like The Sopranos, there's a lot of The Sopranos. There's a lot of Sopranos. But even then, since then, I've gone, you know what? I want to watch The Sopranos. And I've fucking watched it you know yeah it's still tight too it's tight god it's good it's good shit no, it's it's not the wire but it's definitely fucking good i need to watch six feet under i heard people rave great about show that. great show in fact i might watch that now now that you said that i'm like man i might watch six, six feet under not game of thrones <laughs> I'll watch Six Feet Under, though. That's a good show. Ooh. Yep, that's probably going to be the next show I watch. Like, oh, no, you're on show. it now. <laughs> yep, that's going to be Six Feet Under. I yeah. need to watch that shit, dude. There's so many HBO shows I haven't seen, like that, Deadwood. Um, Ooh, that's another one, too. I might end um, up going Six Feet Under into Deadwood. <laughs> what else have I not seen that's on HBO? So, well, I mean, still I not can, Game of Thrones, though. Fill a whole episode <laughs> up with stuff I haven't seen that I need to see that's on Ooh, have you watched but those are the main two. Have you watched all of Oz? Yes, I did watch all of that, and that was tight. That, Ooh, that was great. I loved Oz. I might um, spend the next, like, month and a half just watching HBO shit, because I might watching- go six feet under into Deadwood into Oz. Oh. <laughs> Man, uh, but yeah, I need to get on those. Those two, Deadwood and Six Feet Under. I, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about Six Feet Under. And I heard it ends great. Like, it's not like... One of the single best endings of a TV series ever. Huh. Okay. Like, hands down, one of the best final episodes of a show you'll ever watch. Wow. And okay. I, I'm not even being, like, exaggerative with it. Like, it easily is. In fact, there's other shows whose final episodes rip it off because it's that fucking good. Like, they're not making fun of it. Like, they are not making fun of it. They are paying homage to it because it's that good of an ending. And I'm not going to lie, those shows that do it, they're great endings too. 
Yeah, it's the no, it, fucking I know what you're talking show. about, and you're right. You are right about that. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those. It's one of those ones where if you're ever like, man, how do you tie a bow on a series like this? You watch that episode and you go, oh, that's how. You know how you don't do it the way Lost did it. That was going to be like an honorable mention for me. I I used to be like, you know what? The ending of Lost was so, you know, that was great. That was clever and creative. And now I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if that. But the thing is, I can't think of a better way to end it. But I still am just like, I just don't know that that really was such a great ending as I thought it was when it ended. See, and that's sometimes that's what makes it worse. You can't think of a better way, but you know the way they did it still wasn't right. Yeah. Was that a you, you disagree that with me, Justin? <laughs> huh, no, just what he said there, though, like, wait, when mm. you have that feeling of what happened, just, it just sucks to invest all that time and then get to the end and it's just like a shoulder shrug, like, that's it. It's very <laughs> okay. anticlimactic for sure. Yeah. Then you and, just and get that's... mad. Like you feel like you wasted your time. <laughs> you know, you, right. you feel like you're one of those people in the movie where you sweep up the whole floor and then somebody just brings in a bucket of mud and just dumps it all over the floor and says, now sweep that up too. It feels like something <laughs> like that. It just, it just feels like you just like, <laughs> it feels like, You've been abused somehow or brainwashed or manipulated. Okay. <laughs> and Justin. you didn't get anything for it. <laughs> this and this question's targeted more at Justin just because he can actually directly comment on what I'm gonna ask. What's worse, Justin? A show like Lost, where the ending is so bad that you're disappointed? Or like in Smallville, where the ending ultimately is just a very mediocre episode, but because it was preceded with three seasons of garbage episodes, that when you finally get to that final mediocre episode, you're like, okay, that's a good ending. What's worse? That you accept mediocre as a great ending or just the ending ruining everything? Wow. That, that, that is a good question. They almost tie, but I just... To, to get through the entire journey and then get to the end and to feel like you wasted your time or why did I invest? And you think about the hours you put in. That's infuriating, man. Imagine putting in hours at the gym and <laughs> you do the whole thing and your body doesn't change at all. It's, it's just like, imagine putting the hours in anything. Imagine putting in a full week of work and then the check, when you get the check, it's a dollar or two. Like your check comes in for that week and it's a dollar or it's like $2. That's what that feels like to me. I, I just don't think that there's no worse feeling than that. To invest your time in something and to not feel like it amounted to anything. Like anything, you know, sometimes when bad things happen, you can be like, well, at least this or, you know, you go through a bad breakup. Well, I can still remember the, you know, at least there were some good times. I grew. I learned something. 
But what do you learn when the show ends bad? Other than you're stupid for wasting your time. <laughs> what, what do you learn when the show ends bad like that? Other than you shouldn't have done this. See, the ending of Smallville, the ending of Smallville to me, though, was like if you're working at a company and at first it was super great when you started and you're like, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. And then you just get to that point in the work culture where everything is just kind of abusive and bad, where you're just like going through the motions and you don't even give a fuck about your job anymore. And you just feel like they're taking advantage of you at every step they can. And when you're about to get fed up, they're like, guys, here's a surprise. This is, you know, we're going to fix everything. You're like, all right, I'll give them a chance. And then they go, here's a pizza party. And you're just disappointed with it. But at the same time, like they bought good pizza. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, I want to eat it. Like yeah, it's, it's good great. pizza. It's still shit. But like at this yeah, moment but- when I'm taking a bite of this pizza, it's a good pizza slice. Five minutes when it's over, yeah. I'm going to be fucking pissed and annoyed and dead inside again. But like this moment of good pizza bites are, that's fine. Like, yeah, you just accept it, it while so, it's happening. It's kind of underwhelming. It's like, okay, the mm. pizza's good. This little, these, this 30 minutes I got off the clock to have this party and these little mini conversations I got to have with people. These little throwaway conversations because we don't we didn't get the time allotted to have any real conversations. <laughs> so everything is small talk and let me eat my three or four slices. <laughs> and that's it. Get back to work. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> Yeah. Which I'm- yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the I guess it's a little bit of both with how I felt about the lost ending. It's like Hmm. Did I waste my time? Like, is, did I like, you're, you're still questioning it at this point. I'm still just like, I still don't know if I should be upset or not. But at the same time, I'm like, while it happened, I'm like, I just needed to know how that was going to happen. But you know, I'm like, I could have done worse, but I definitely think I could have done better. Just don't know how, like it's, yeah, it's very weird. I get that. Um, I want to end on this one note of just saying a, uh, um, when it comes to what a fandom is, you kind of have to be a fan of it first to be like, <laughs> to lose fandom or to dissect fandom. <laughs> you can't hate something from its inception. It just say, e- you lost your fandom with it in a way. <laughs> I don't want to name this guy. But when Justin sits there and asks like, Hey guys, have you ever deconstructed your fandom and stuff? And people give answers. And this guy's like Harry Potter. And you're like, Oh, we're like, were you a fan of the books or the movies or something? He's like, nah, none of it. Never, never fan. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this out there. Motherfucker. You didn't lose your fandom then. <laughs> he said, the, no, the only thing I, I like can think of, of nothing is cool part of though. <laughs> part, part of me is wondering if he <laughs> part of me is wondering if he was thinking like other people are a huge fan of this 
So, you know, like, I don't know what what the reason for the response was, but I agree. I'm like, I don't understand (laughs) the answer given. How do you go? I hate all of it. It's cool, though. (laughs) Was his deconstructing him being like, I'm deconstructing that everybody else is a fan of it because I'm not like, is that what he was trying to do? I think that that's how he was interpreting things of. Everyone else loves this, but guess what? I don't because it's cool to make a statement of I don't like something that's popular. <laughs> um, Like the thing is, is like, and that's what's weird about it is like. He was super proud of his response with it. Super proud. <laughs> that I was never a fan of Harry Potter. And that, that'd be like me now going, man, I'm super proud of the fact that I constantly keep watching Marvel movies and thinking they're just a okay. <laughs> That's not a personality trait. In fact, I, I hate that. I hate that I keep seeing these movies and I think they're just okay. I'm, I hate it. I'm not proud of that at all. Like, cause I do feel like at times, like I feel like, in a weird way, like what the whole point of this episode is like, is that, that I've kind of lost the magic, you know, like it's like, I'm a kid that just found out Santa Claus isn't real or something like with Marvel, like all of a sudden I'm like, it's just all okay. And I'm like, Oh, I, I wish I, I long for the days of whenever I would just be amped to see a Marvel movie. And anticipated seeing something, you know what I mean? Like being like excited to see it. Can't wait to watch it. Amped the whole time I'm watching. Like I miss that feeling. But like, I'll be damned. Like I don't. I hope that's not what people think. I I consider a personality trait of mine. Dear God, that suck. (laughs) Like. Like, and and the thing is, it's like I said, I, I get that other people are still into them. That's fine. Like, I I just, I'm not gonna lie. I just wish I was too. Like, I wish I was back to being a fan of that. But, yeah, that's just, it was such a weird way of saying that. <laughs> just never been a fan of that there Harry Potter. I've always hated it. And, uh. <laughs> that's and that's it. also such a weird thing too. Like, how do you know you hate it? Yeah, like, what does that mean? Like, how did you, what, did you see a trailer and hate it? I mean, you haven't seen any of it. So why did you just assume it was bad? See, and it's funny, because whenever I was a teenager, like an angsty teen, and wanted to be counterculture everything, and you hate anything that's fucking popular, I was that teenager. And I was making fun of my sister for reading Harry Potter. At this point, like the first three Harry Potter books had come out. My sister's like four years younger than me, you know, and she's reading the Harry Potter books and I'm making fun of her for it. I'm like, hey, fuck you and your Harry Potter. I didn't say that because I was also a young kid, too. But you know what I mean? Like I was making fun of her for it. And my dad, in his infinite wisdom with it, was like. Why are you making fun of her for it? I was like, well, because it's stupid shit. He's like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, because it is, it's, you know, it's Harry Potter. Of course it is. He's like, you've never read it. You don't know. This was before the movies came out, you know, he's like, you don't know. 
you know nothing about this stuff. And he, he, he made it, he made a deal with me. He was like, there were three books out at the time. And he's like, and we are my, like I said, my family already owned them because my sister was reading them. He's like, read the first three books, read the books. And when you're done reading these three books, if you still hate it and think it's dumb, I won't stop you at all from saying anything bad about him. He's like, but you have to know what you're talking about first. And I was like, bet. And I read those three books. And I'll be damned if I wasn't hooked to shit. Like, the, <laughs> like whenever I finished that third book, literally, and it was like pure serendipity. I finished that third book. And like a week later is when the fourth one came out. And because my sister had mm. liked them and all this other stuff, they'd already pre-ordered it. Man, I we got Reaping that fourth book. I read it before she did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the fuck you're going to read this first? We're getting it and I'm reading it now. See, that's what our friend needs to do. Stop hating on stuff but saying it's cool, though. You You ended it with, it's cool, though you're trying to absolve yourself from really trying it you know but you gotta what's cool though his hatred of it his lack of yeah. giving it a chance yeah like why is it cool though you hate it unclear yeah but it's cool though what does that mean what is the cool part like do you know why I can make fun of the Twilight movies I've seen all of them Funny thing is, exactly. I actually don't really feel the need to make fun of them. Like, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying I enjoyed it per se. I just felt like it was mediocre and harmless enough to who gives a fuck. Yeah. But I've seen them all. Like, you know, like I've seen more of the Twilight movies than a lot of people who make fun of the Twilight movies I've ever seen. And I still don't feel the need to make fun of them. Because I'm like, yeah, they're dumb and they're stupid. But for whatever reason, the the kids and the people that read and watched the movies loved it. Let them watch their movies. It's fine. This is a little bit of a stretch. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, just let them watch it. There's definitely worse movies out there. There are definitely worse franchises out there than the <laughs> Twilight franchise. This is true. Yeah. There's a lot of bad other fucking movies out there. They're mediocre. <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but like when you were saying that, it just kind of reminded me a little bit of like how it, it's been, or the past couple of years, it was just like a cool thing to like hate Kim Kardashian just because <laughs> and I'm just like she's legit guys like she's about to be a lawyer like she's you know what I mean like I just feel like everybody hated because they thought it was the cool thing to hate on her and then I don't know I, I just that's just what it reminded me of I don't know I think there are way bigger things to make fun of than Kim when it comes to that family I mean yeah very true now, Kim does have some problematic aspects to her. But 
if you're going to say anything, you got to talk about Chris. Yeah, talk about the mom. The mom oh, is single handedly the worst thing about that family in 100%. every way, shape, yeah. or form. And every bad thing you don't like about the Kardashian family, it all goes to her. Like it, yeah. it, it, it's not, it's not like it's a Kim problem or a Chloe problem. No, everything that you, anybody hates about that family all stems back to Chris. Yeah. Every I would single, agree with that. Every single part of it. You know, yep, I think you sense. have to, you have to be fair to Kim with your critiques of them. You, I think you need to be fair to the daughters and the son and most of the family. You need to be fair to them. Right. Because yeah, if you if you're not commenting on the toxicity that is Chris Jenner, <laughs> you're missing the point. Yeah, and that's and that's what I mean. Like it was just kind of like assumptions made about her because either of what her family was or how she's portrayed. But then you're just like, mm, no, not really. That's not really what it's about, you know. Also, yeah, come on, quit making opinions based on reality TV shows. Like, come on, right. Right. And that's why everybody thought it was just yeah. the cool thing to do to hate her and hate that family. You know, it's the same with the Jersey Shore people. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. A lot of them are dumb. But they're not necessarily dumb because of the shit they did on the Jersey Shore show. You know, like DJ Polly D. He's not dumb for what he did on Jersey Shore. He's dumb for going on Fox News as a guest on there. To talk about inflation, because what the fuck does Polly D know about inflation? <laughs> yeah, what does he know about that? That's my bigger issue. <laughs> I I give zero fucks about anything he did on Jersey Shore. Why the fuck are you going to this guy like he's a fucking Harvard level economist to talk about inflation? <laughs> That's fair. You didn't even talk to him about being actually a slightly pretty good DJ. He's he's not a bad DJ. They want to talk to this guy about fucking inflation. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Why why did that even happen? Why wasn't he just there to DJ the music while someone else talked about it or something? <laughs> like that, that play that a just dope track makes- about inflation, please. <laughs> Yeah, that just makes infinitely more sense to me. I don't know. that That's strange. Funny story about him, though. I met him, you know. I met oh, him, you did? got a picture with him, uh, was one of his security people whenever he came to Midland. And he seems and like a, was a fairly cool, cool guy. Yeah, and he was. He was very cool, very down to earth, like just seemed about like how he was on the show, level-headed, down to earth. You know, got along with everybody, um, was really cool. And his show was, it was literally just a a, a bunch, like tons of people came just to sit there and listen to him DJ. And, you know, they would dance and he would come up with all these combinations and he was just sitting there DJing and everybody was up there, you know. And and I don't know, I've never seen a DJ concert kind of like that. Like usually there's, I've seen where there's a DJ there and there's also music and there's bands and stuff, but it was just him. I, I, I've just never been to a concert like that. And I'm sure they do them all the time with popular DJs, but it was interesting. Yeah, that, it, that it was, is it actually a, good show, though. a fairly common thing. Now, Justin, when you were talking to him, did you talk about economics and or inflation? <laughs> no, 
We didn't see, have too many. So maybe I'm completely off base with his expertise on it. All I know is I watched the segment and I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> no, did not uh, discuss that. So um, I, I just was flabbergasted by that. What did he say? <laughs> like, did he say, I hate inflation, but it's cool, though? More or less, you know, but then it was also Fox News. So it's like <laughs> Joe Biden caused inflation, you know. Is, have you ever reacted? Look back to this. Back to this fan. Have you ever <laughs> reacted to anything? Have you ever, in the history of your life, been confronted with something and said, "I hate this thing that I think is cool"? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever responded <laughs> um, to that with anything in your life? You know, I probably did when I was a kid. You know, yeah. Like I said, when I wanted to be the kid that. You know, if it was popular, I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Would you admit that it was cool, though? Like, would you go, I hate, man, that's cool. I hate it. Either that or he was trying to say, I hate it, but it's all good that I hate it. Everyone else likes it. I don't know. I can't understand it. (laughs) The fact that he doesn't like it is cool. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, it's it's unclear. It's unclear. Why would you go? <laughs> We're really all flabbergasted at it. It's cool, though. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think cool. of a franchise that I've seen no movies of that I also hate. Because most of the franchises I hate, I've seen a movie. But then also with my completionist ass, I've probably seen all of them because I hate saw, myself. I almost was going to say the, the M. Night Shyamalan Unbreakable franchise series, but you saw Unbreakable, I think, right? I did. I've seen Unbreakable. Yeah. So I didn't watch the other two. But you're right. It's like, uh, I hate this, but why do I hate this? <laughs> That's honestly like I, you know what? I do have an example. I used to um, hate the movie Gladiator before I even saw it because I just didn't like Russell Crowe. And I didn't like Russell Crowe because he won an Academy Award over Tom Hanks that year. And that's the only reason I didn't like him. (laughs) And so I didn't watch Gladiator until I was in college. Okay. And then I was like, this is dumb. Like this movie's so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's my closest example I have. I'm trying to think. Most yeah. of the things I hate, I've 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 experienced in 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 some way, shape, or form. You know, like I hate John Wayne. I've also seen a John Wayne movie. Yeah, I hate the Beatles. I've also heard the Beatles. I hate Elvis. Oh God, I hate Elvis. I've heard an Elvis song. I've seen an Elvis movie too, so I get to hate him on both fronts. Like, I hate Ronald Reagan. I've experienced the policies he put in place as president, and I've seen a Ronald Reagan movie. So, and I've actually heard technically what is considered a Ronald Reagan song. He did release technically a record, which was him talking about the dangers of socialized medicine in like the 70s, 60s or 70s. Um, And I've heard that. 
you know, most of the things I hate, it's because I've experienced it. Like I just, it, it is slightly mind boggling to hate something you've never experienced on any, on any level. You know what I mean? Like there are certain movies I won't watch and will make, I guess, snap judgments about, but part of it's because maybe I've seen the trailer and the trailer's job is to make me want to watch your movie. If the trailer does not make me want to watch the movie, the trailer fails. And is that slightly unfair of me not to watch the movie and declare the movie in my words bad because I don't want to watch it? Kind of. That is slightly, you know, bad on my part because there are movies I've seen the trailer to that I'm like, that looks dumb. And then I've watched the movie and I'm like, oh, wow, that was good. And then there's movies I've seen the trailer and I'm like, that looks amazing. And it was bad. You know, trailers aren't indicative of what the movie will be. But as its job goes, why did I sound like Christopher Walken when I said it like that? Um, as its job goes, it needs. <laughs> you did. It, it has to make me want to watch it, though. That's that's a trailer's one job is to make me want to watch a movie or a TV show. If it doesn't do that, well, what's the fucking point? You know, I feel like we can end up doing another one of these episodes, though. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, this is a good topic. I just kind of, and I mainly want to do that because I want to put it up on Facebook again, just to see what gold we get from the same guy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what else he hates but thinks is cool. I gotta know. <laughs> gotta know. You guys got any more thoughts about this? No. No, I'm cool. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com or Facebook, we're Cinema Slayers podcast or Twitter and Instagram, we're Cinema underscore Slayers or TikTok, we're Cinema Slayers pod or YouTube, where we are Cinema Slayers podcast. And it's, there's a URL. It's a whole long list of letters and numbers. It's on our Facebook. It's it's on the social media. Or just go to YouTube and search uh, Cinema Slayers Podcast. We only have audio episodes up right, or audio only episodes up right now. Don't worry. Literally the episode right after this one will be episode 200. And that means that's our Moon Knight episode. Which also means you get to see our faces. We will be live, or not live, we will have full video with our faces with that episode and going forward, except for bonus episodes. I don't think I'm going to do that for bonus episodes. I might still put them up on YouTube, but you know, we got to keep them separate a little bit, you know, cause it's extra content. Um, also, uh, going forward, you may or may not hear some, uh, ads on this podcast. Don't be alarmed. Don't hate us for it. You know, these things do cost a little money. It's 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 the nature of the business. So there might be some ads. We'll try to keep it as minimal as we possibly can, but we're also changing hosting sites. So uh, in doing that, the, the site we're moving to does automatically put ads into the stuff. But I do listen to some podcasts that are on that platform, and it's not terrible. 
you know, they're typically like 30 second little ad breaks. So, you know, just keep that in mind. You might hear those every once in a while. You know, don't hate us for it. It's okay. I promise. And worst case also, they won't be on the YouTube feed outside of the normal YouTube ads, whatever the YouTube does. It's going to be the same principle as YouTube. You know, YouTube randomly throws ads into shit. It's going to be the same thing with the audio because of the hosting site we're moving to. So it's going to be the same principle as that. So it is what it is. Um, but give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friend's family. But most of all, tell uh, mothers because mothers have fandoms they've deconstructed more often than other family members. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how to tie this episode to mothers. <laughs> Maybe uh, mothers hate Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> there you go. Mothers are creeped out by the essentially rape scene in Rocky. I got it. A lot of mothers watched Friends back in the day. Ah, there you go. <laughs> All these are very true statements. Or maybe mothers just didn't like the ending of Game of Thrones. I tried. This one was hard to do to tie yeah, into this mothers. Yeah, a hard one for you. Why did I pigeonhole myself into saying that mothers love our episodes? It really hurts us on episodes like this. <laughs> Why did you guys let me do this for several episodes? I mean, how long have I been doing the mother bit? Not as long as the, the Moon Knight bit with Justin. Because that's been a very long time since I started yeah, that bit. Been a long time. But this mother bit, Jesus, I, I've got to have done it for like the last 50 episodes. I feel Probably. like I've, I've been doing the moon night bid for over a hundred at this point. I would say probably the past year you've been doing it. Yeah. The mother bit. Yeah. Would it have to at least be 50 episodes that I've done the mother bit? And yeah. this is the first time that it was truly difficult. I've had it slightly iffy at times, but I've been like, you know, a little, you know, stretching it, but Oh, this was the hardest man. You guys should have warned me way, you know, so many episodes ago. Right. Don't pigeonhole myself into mothers. That's Ugh. on us. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how the collaborative team effort goes when I fuck up at Joe's <laughs> fault. <laughs> Teamwork. Uh, but as I was in the podcast and the TikToks, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight, our next episode, is the best picture winner. You don't know why you hate it. You don't know why it's cool, though. So essentially, you don't know anything until you see it. So see it, or neither of your opinions are valid. It is not bad nor cool, because you don't know. Stop doing that. You're not going to sleep at night. You're not going to sleep tonight. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about it. It's kind of funny that we've been doing that Moon Knight bit like longer than 
like the idea that Moon Knight would be a TV show. Like well before they even announced anything with Moon Knight or anything like that. We've been doing that Moon Knight bit. Yeah, almost since the very beginning. Almost. It was very early on. Yeah. It was very early on. Yep, Devin was still uh, with us. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And Jason just fucked up once. And I've essentially never let him forget it for how many episodes straight. Yeah. I mean, because I was trying to say Moonlight, right? Yeah. I was trying to say, yeah. yeah, You brought up Moon. Yeah, because you said Moon Knight won Best Picture. And I was like, wait, (laughs) what? And you said, yeah, Moonlight. And I was like, you said Moon Knight. (laughs) And I've essentially ever since then just dedicated every episode to not letting you forget that one small fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was. And now we're doing now we're going to do a Moon Knight episode. It's bonkers. Right. Like. Maybe maybe after the Moon Knight episode, I won't do it anymore because it just won't have the same impact because there's a Moon Knight you know. out there. Yeah, but it's just a weird. It would be weird. It would be. We'll have to find something else. Yeah. All right. That's the thing, Justin. Now you got to fuck up in some other way. He's <laughs> into directly shit I will make fun of you for. So I can okay. just make that the new saying. Okay. We'll we'll try. Maybe with this next episode, I'll screw up something royally. Hopefully. So in the Moon Knight episode, new material. Maybe you should say like something like the new Disney Plus series Moonlight, and then I'll start saying. Remember, according to Justin, Moonlight is a Disney Plus TV show. (laughs) That would actually be funny if that did happen. Yeah. I do think my my favorite time of doing that joke outside of essentially the first time I did it to you and then did it the next few episodes that it's just you're kind of like, wait, what the fuck are you doing that for? I think the favorite time was on the Netflix episode we just did a couple episodes ago when I was about to end the episode without doing it and then just stopped myself. and went, What am I doing? I have to do it. And made sure I then did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the time you were just like, I don't know, something, something. <laughs> that Moon was Knight. my favorite time. Oh, yeah. And then you just cut it off. <laughs> I don't know. Moon Knight's a, a movie. All right, bye, or something like yeah, that. I don't yeah. even remember what movie we were talking about, but I was so fucking defeated at that episode. Yeah, you were just so agitated and bad. I feel like it was around the time of like midsummer or something like that. Probably it might have been midsummer. It was midsummer or venom, I think. And I was just like, probably. whatever, blah blah. Moon Knight's a movie, or I was like, blah blah. <laughs> Justin Moon Knight movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely my favorite time because you're like, I don't even care anymore. Uh, All right, I'm out. Yeah, that was long. But it was fun. 